What's happening, weirdos? This is Adam McKay. Holy shit. I love Adam McKay. You love Adam McKay. Adam McKay, you know, Anchorman, fucking Step Brothers. We talk about all this. And most recently, Vice, my favorite movie from last year, as you're about to hear in this episode, uh, Vice was for me. <laughs> I enjoyed Vice. I got Vice. And if you haven't seen it, it is now available on iTunes with special features and wonderfulness like that. I bought it even though I had the uh, Showbiz People screener for it because I wanted those sweet, sweet extra features. Obviously, Christian Bale won awards for his performance as Dick Cheney, as Vice President Dick Cheney, uh, (laughs) with respect, Vice President Dick Cheney. It's an incredible movie if you haven't seen it. Um, As you know me from this podcast, I'm not like a politically obsessed person but I love that movie. It's hilarious. It's, it's incredible. Very, very interesting and very, very important. Um, I've also been getting more and more into Adam's other films even since we did this podcast, The Big Short. Um, I've watched twice since this conversation. I just sort of, Vice sort of like woke me up to his style and an even deeper appreciation of what he's done. So check out all his stuff, but especially Vice, uh, which is out now. This, this conversation we actually recorded the day I found out crashing wasn't coming back. I tell you that because you'll see it's such a great conversation. So obviously I got this bad news and then I went and talked to Adam and he was such a delight that for three hours I didn't even think about it. We just had like a lovely effortless chat and I'm so happy that we know each other now. It's, it's a classic. It's a classic. I think you're going to love it. So let's get into it. I do want to plug, you know, I'm going to plug someone else's book. This by Michael Gunger. Remember Michael Gunger? If you didn't listen to that episode, incredible episode. His book, This, is one of the books I'm currently reading. It's incredible. I'm, I'm blown away. It's so, so amazing. You can uh, pre-order this. You can also pre-order my book, Comedy, Sex, God, on Amazon. Or you can go to harperwave.com slash Pete Holmes and pre-order it there. You can also get it as an audiobook, which I'm currently, that's what I was doing all day today, reading uh, as a part of Harper Audio. Uh, please, please watch The Path. Uh, no, I've, I've been working on uh, Comedy Sex God for over three years. It is a real labor of love. It's been my passion and my joy for the past three years, and it would mean so much if people read it. So uh, if you like this podcast and you've ever wanted to look for a way to say thanks, um, I'm not ashamed to say it would be wonderful if you bought my book and Michael Gunger's book, this. Um, I'm also going to be doing Largo March 28th. Uh, that is my only live stand-up date right now. And we have two Pete's picks for this episode. Kachava, Kachava, which people are reaching out to me by the dozens on uh, social media telling me that it's changing their lives. Kachava is a plant-based superfood drink mix, which is nutrition Overload. It is a meal in a pill. It is the fastest, easiest, most delicious way I've found to get more nutrients than most people eat in a month in one shake. It's 100% plant-based. It's got omega-3s from chia and flax seeds. It's got eight superfruits. It's got 17 greens and veggies. It's gluten-free, soy-free. It's free of artificial sweeteners and preservatives. It's got digestive support built right in. It's got 1,000 milligrams of, ad- of adaptogens. It's got 24 grams of protein, plant-based protein, and 9 grams of fiber. It's basically everything you need in one place 
So easy. I, I had one for breakfast and all you do, shake bottle, two scoops of kachav. I like one scoop of chocolate, one scoop of vanilla. It tastes like an Oreo. Just enough coconut, powdered coconut milk in there to make it creamy and just enough coconut sweetener in there to make it delicious. All you do is add water and shake it up. I know a lot of things claim that they're delicious just in water. This is amazing just in water. As I always say, Val doesn't like this sort of stuff. She actually loves cachava. Sometimes I make it with uh, almond milk and a handful of frozen strawberries, make it thick, cachava, ice cream, boom. It makes me feel amazing because of the maca, maca root and the cacao. And uh, I thought I bought it to like add to my smoothie, but come to find out it is the smoothie. It's as close as we've come to a meal in a pill. Wonderful for when I'm taking care of baby Lee and I only have one hand to make food or I'm traveling on the road and it's really hard to eat healthy on the road. You can get 20% off your order. Go to Kachava, K-A-C-H-A-V-A dot com slash weird. You'll get 20% off and show your support of this podcast. And the other Pete's pick, you know, I'm under a lot of stress these past couple of days. I've been working a lot. Been swearing by Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil, made by my friends, the Stanley Brothers in Colorado. This is the only hemp oil made from hemp grown in America, made for human consumption. So it's not just mass-purchased industrial hemp. This is farmer-grown, reasonably grown, responsibly, deliberately produced hemp that they use science to remove the THC. THC is obviously what gets you uh, stoned when you smoke or eat weed. And they leave the body and brain and mood beneficial CBD. CBD is something I've sworn by for the past, uh, I don't know, three, four years. I take it every day, almost every day. It's a wonderful mood elevator. It's a wonderful anxiety reducer. Helps me sleep, helps me relax makes me a little bit quicker to smile, makes me a little bit quicker to laugh and ease into the flow of my day. I love it. It, it, It's not an intoxicant. That's what I'm saying. They take the THC out, but it gives you that body and brain beneficial glow. They also make some wonderful uh, topical things uh, like ointments and balms that you can rub on sore muscles and aches and pains. It's a wonderful plant ally to help you uh, with pain management and as I'm saying, stress management. It's wonderful. It's the original Pete's Pick for a reason, the first company that I reached out to, and they said they'd be happy to give us a promo code so you guys can try it. I get the Everyday Advanced. I get mint chocolate. That way it's a little bit more expensive, but you can literally just take a couple of drops. Uh, go to cwhemp.com weird and use promo code Keep It Crispy and try some CBD. Uh, I know there's other CBD brands. This is really the most reputable, beautiful, wonderful, ethical uh, company that I am in line with their mission and and the guys. If you've ever heard the uh, Stanley Brothers, they were on this podcast. So give it a try. Uh, It's good for what ails you. All right. Try Pete's Pick. Get Vice on iTunes. Get Michael Gunger's This. He doesn't know I'm plugging it. Let's let's blow Michael away with pre-order sales of this. It's an incredible incredible book. Um, It's like enlightenment in a book. It's crazy. He describes reading the first chapter of that book was like taking mushrooms. It really was. And also, if you're nasty, please uh, pre-order Comedy Sex God. It would make me so happy to get some pre-orders on that going. Uh, In in the meantime, enjoy this three-hour conversation with, I'm happy to say, my new friend, the incredible Adam McKay.
get into it. I'm so delighted to meet you. Such a pleasure. And I'm so delighted to be in your home. Are you delighted to hear my 45-minute drum solo? I'm about to be. <laughs> I'll become delighted 22 minutes in. Yes. Is that possible? I said, I'm so, I just forgot her name even though she just told ah, me. Stacey. I just told Stacy. I said, how many people say, because I was in here alone for a moment. And then I said, how many people say I put my balls on the drums? You know what's crazy? You are actually the first person That's, ever. No, I'm, I'm actually don't fuck with not me, fella. kidding. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> I think it is. Well, it is a kind of a maybe not rude, but a brazen to say. I, I, it's amazing that no one's made that comment. It's not even remotely rude. Well, you not, to, not to you. I don't know Stacey. because I have nothing but love and fond memories of. Seeing a fall, a fake what? nutsack on a on Adam. A, well, first yeah. I didn't know it was fake. J.K. Um, <laughs> I knew it was fake, but I that moment. And we let's. I want to talk about you now, and I want to talk about what you want to talk about. In fact, we don't even have to talk about Vice if you're tired of talking about it. I will let's, talk about whatever you would like to talk about. But I don't want to make the mistake of let's talk. You know, I happen to love Step Brothers more than anything. We probably watch it three times a year. That's 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 that's, that's one of my favorites as well. Isn't that's it the, incredible? Yeah, that's the hardest. I think I've. I, I mean, have, I mean, I think you you love everything you do, of course. Like Anchorman was like a unique, special experience yes. as well. Each movie, obviously, this sounds cliche, but it's true, is complete different and enjoyable well, I thought you were going to say is like a child is like a is Chi- like a child that's a cliche and by child I mean 19 year old <laughs> is that still a child is like it every, every film Anchor is like man an, can vote is like an unruly adolescent each oh, film uh, no but when I would drive home from stepbrothers I would be sore from laughing like muscular sore there's a couple things that come to mind when I think of that movie. One is the balls, and I saw it in the theaters. As a, when did it come out? What year ish? We were just trying to figure that out. Oh seven. Okay, does 07. that sound right? Somewhere around that zone. Sounds about right. Oh six. Maybe oh six. Oh seven. Might be oh six. So I was like twenty eight. Yeah. And I saw it in the theaters. And uh, by the way, I saw Vice in the theater. Can I? That that's the real compliment. Oh man! I had the screener. And saw it at the arc light in the to dome. The theater. It was made to be seen in a theater. I love that you did that. Completely loved it in the theater. Yeah. They showed a preview for us. The uh, the the theater was audibly upset that such a terrifying trailer <laughs> played before Vice. I don't know what you pair with Vice, but they didn't want us. People yelled out, "What the fuck!" Someone yelled out, "What the?" My wife was she, she doesn't like scary things. We just had a baby. It's it's this whole yeah, thing. I understand. My Extra sense the same way. Yeah. So she's closing her eyes and plugging her ears. I watched it because I had already seen it, but I uh, not great. Although your movie is, uh, Vice is is scary. I have heard and people real. describe Vice as a horror movie. Yeah. I can I tell you what I describe it as? Yeah. I, I want to talk. I want you to talk, but I am excited to tell you this because I'm sure you've heard a lot. When I saw it, so I leave the arc light with Val, and we ran into some people. I don't know if they were fans or we didn't know them, but some something we got got us talking. Right. I was very conflicted, and I'm sure you got this before because I was like, I sort of liked Dick Cheney. I understand. Right. Right. I understand. Yes. <laughs> like I want it, but I'm, I know you get it. But I'm telling the we people we had the same thing. Yes. 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 I'm like I don't understand. I cried when his daughters were hugging him in the hospital. Uh, I loved him when he said to specifically to his daughter, like being silly. He's being silly with her. Yeah, all these like really save the cat moments where I'm like really touched. And we can talk about that. But separate from that, I started thinking. So I, I've seen it two or three times since then. Oh wow! I think it's a perfect movie. Oh God bless you. I really think you should be proud of it. Oh, I it's love not, it. Yeah, it's not like a, I, I'm really glad to hear that. 
it's not like a movie that was just great by accident or anything. There was just clearly so much. It's effortless, but there's clearly so much. Oh that went yeah, into we it. put a lot into that one. I mean, every choice yes. is like six hours there's of work no, behind it. Yeah, yeah. There's no mistake. And the thing about him being kind of likable, I mean, that's what drew me to the movie. Was early on, his story is like he's a screw up, yeah. and. I mean, not early, early on, early, early on. Actually, we didn't have it in the movie, but he's a kind of a normal kid. Uh-huh. And then he met this woman who was like, we're, we're doing stuff. Lynn. Yeah. And uh, and then he couldn't quite handle it. You know, so he drank his way out of Yale, started causing trouble. Because of Lynn, you think? Because she, she just, put an ambition on him. He wasn't, that wasn't the kind of guy he was. He was like a regular Wyoming guy. He I'm really kidding. worked on te- telephone poles? Yes. Because yeah. here's the other thing I was dying to say to you. The number of things that are true that are perfect symbols uh, in the film—it's crazy—are insane. How about the black VW bug? What about it? The I pussy mean, magnet. Metaphorically, <laughs> the black bug driving into DC. A friend of oh, mine said, "Oh, that's so genius. That's great. That you pick that car as a metaphor." I'm like, "No, that's the real car he drove." Like. Hey. I have a list as long as your nightshirt of the things that are like... My nightshirt is long, like crazy long. (laughs) (laughs) To cover your dangling, deep dangling nutsack. Deep dangling. Deep deep dangling. Yes. And so when I take my little handheld uh, candle at night... Yes, you're the one. Because I heard some sounds downstairs. And you can't afford a candelabra. Yeah. If you have a candelabra, it's definitely something bad. If it's a single candle, maybe it's... I go single candle, and I got the little hat on. I like and, a multi-candle. And it's not Santa Claus. It's a bunch of meth heads taking a crap on my living room carpet. Uh, I don't know what that fairy tale was. Where that it was like from. a European, like a German scary fairy tale. It started tale. very traditional like I it was like for kids. It. No, my mother's Lithuanian first generation, so all the stories that she knew and books that she had were like, and then the wizard turned all the women into cats. And we're like, what? Like, like something like kind of psychologically disturbing. God bless those fairy tales. All our fairy tales used to be like that, but then they, no, I know. The Disney cleaned them up. Well, they're designed to deal with like, it's always like a, a, a powerful metaphor. And yeah. kids are like, you know, you're, you're a father and we all know kids. Kids are, I think they're deep thinkers. I think they're in touch. Having just arrived, they're more in touch with the idea of not being here than we are. Oh, without a doubt. Do you know what I'm saying? No, I don't know. They just came through the portal. Are we allowed to ramble this much? Because I have a theory on clowns. I want you to ramble. So my theory on clowns <laughs> is not a ramble. That this is definitely a ramble. It's we're, a sidebar. We're, now, we're talking about Lithuanian uh, fairy tales, and now <laughs> we're talking about clowns. Uh, it's a sidebar. I like that better. It's much more respectable. In the first 20, you put all the irons in the fire, and then the, you spend the rest of the podcast taking them out. We'll call them back. Because so Vice is one in there. It's getting nice and hot. I like what it. Are we, Step Brothers is in there. It's Step Brothers is in there. Anchorman is in there. Uh, Height. Pros- height, prosthetic nutsack. Oh, my God. Oh, Lit- me seeing it in the theater? What did the fans say to me after the, oh at the Arclight? Oh, my God, which we haven't heard that yet. We we're got a lot. It. You think we're going to forget? No. This no, ain't no, my no. first. You don't forget. I, I don't, don't forget. forget. You, you don't can forget. forget. Yeah. You, you really don't forget. Katie can forget. You can forget. This is a day off for you. You're not going to forget, though, I won't you? forget. So my theory on clowns mm. is that for... 2,000 years, men would just get hammered drunk and punch people and bite people, and they would have big clotting feet and swollen noses, 
And for a long time, we had to process that. Like with you are kids. I'm picturing you in my mind's eye doing a cannonball into a quarry, but you're spinning 360 because <laughs> that's how excited I am about this. And theory. we, with all dark things, you need to laugh. That's right. And the clowns were like, oh my God, that's like my dad. That's like that's my uncle. Right. They do look like alcoholics. 100%. That they're is my theory. And they're pale. And I have a theory on. And they're pie. often bald. You know, like they, they have like a receding hairline with the hair pulled out on the side. That's right. They're they're madmen. They're madmen. Yeah, and they're drunks. and there are dads. And there are dads. There are drunk our dads. Uncles, the World War One veterans. <laughs> and I have a theory on pie in the face too. Tell me. So the reason pie in the face was so funny was because it would take you like nine hours to make a pie. That's funny. Back then, you had to make your own crust. You had to do everything from scratch. So it's the idea- a food abortion. I'm not even trying to be 100%. funny. It's like there's a lot of effort. It was baked, and it goes, yeah, guess what? Life is chaos. Exactly. It's, it's cooling on a windowsill. The equivalent today is an architectural model. That, yes. That would be the thing you could slam into someone's face and yes. you're like, oh, that looked like it took, although now they have 3D printers. So that well, joke, you're right, but yeah. Yeah, 10 years ago. The, it's the Jenga of pastry comedy. Yes. So clowns, clowns and pies. Those I are my theories that. why they were once funny. And why they're like disturbing. I think people that are disturbed by clowns are probably understanding them better than even people that are just oh, like, they're just a good time. 100%. Yeah. yeah. But they don't have to be dre- uh, bleeding. Wait, isn't there a bleeding? Nope, that's in. Wait for it. Billy Madison. Nice. There's a bleeding clown. Now Billy Madison is in the pool. (laughs) That's he's literally in the pool with Norm Macdonald. Billy Madison chip on the table. We can push around. No, at any moment. At any moment. Hilarious and necessary. Do we just like people are in their car listening to this right now? Do we just go all Billy Madison for the next? We could. I once had a very long discussion. Who was that with about Billy Madison versus Happy Gilmore? And they convinced me so wholeheartedly that it's Billy Madison all the way. And I rewatched both, and they are right. No disrespect. I go Billy Madison, yeah. No yeah. disrespect. Happy Gilmore is a little bit meaner. They point it out. It's, it's like, a little meaner. It's still very enjoyable, but right. I go Billy Madison, yeah. Billy yeah. Madison has that, like, uh, not not as often seen, but there was the, like, sweet, innocent Sandler that's just like, he's just drunk, it's nudie magazine day. Yeah, It's not yeah. punching people. It's not, like, the aggro. It's not the hockey Sandler. You know what's kind of like clowns is uh, the movie Animal House. Yeah. Can you even watch that anymore? Is I, that- can I tell you, uh, you know, Chris Rock fired a director because he didn't like the movie um, uh, Spies Annie Like Hall. Us. Oh. <laughs> Wouldn't you gentlemen like a Pepsi? <laughs> Not Spies Like Us, Annie Hall. So I don't want to fall out of your favor by telling you that I've never seen Animal House. Never just, seen it? I just wasn't... That whole like panty How raid. I'm almost forty. I'm going to be forty. Well, that's a notch young. I'm fifty. I so. just missed it. We're, weren't you young when you watched? Uh, it? I was super young. Yeah, I remember the movie theater had Heaven Can Wait. Uh huh. And Animal House. And my mom said, "Do not go see Animal House. You go see Heaven Can Wait." Hilarious. And of course, we went and saw Animal House. Yeah, in a trench but coat with two it, other friends. In a trench coat, yes, <laughs> with watches hanging on the inside of it. <laughs> That because you didn't know <laughs> you were kids disguising yourselves, but you had more thought out. Like exactly. we're also selling watches. Trench coats usually have watches on the inside of them. And remember when that was just funny that men were just revealing themselves. Like, what are you in a trench coat? You're going to show your dingling to somebody? It was hilarious. It was like a big hoot. It was like I'm laughing. Look like, out for ah. that. And we're all looking back and going like, that's not. But that's Animal House, man. I mean, and Animal House. Now you got to watch it. 
I will. Because, like, legally, I don't know if you're allowed to watch it. Like, it's There's a lot of wall-to-wall harassment. Like, yeah. the racial depictions in it are, like... Questionable. Super questionable. <laughs> and that was the number one movie for, like... I don't... 80s, 90s, early 2000s, most people would say number one comedy of all time. I mean, or a lot of people would. I understand that, and I feel that coming off of them. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? I feel that opinion in their DNA, and it's fine. I just... I'm just like... I'm an Ace Ventura. Like, it was, like, sweeter. It was, like, the silly man coming in, not the guy, like, necessarily panty rating or whatever I mean, there's it is. Some, I mean, by the way, Animals is really well made, really well directed. It's coming off. Uh, it's coming off. I turned the air conditioning off. My uh, stoner daughter. My stoner daughter. God bless her. You definitely can say that. It's legal in California. <laughs> she, the second she feels warm, cranks the air conditioning in the house. Typical. So I was like, I literally have a scarf on. I'm so cold. And uh, it'll come off in a second. But yeah, Animal House, you got to watch Animal House now. I will. I, I've, I, you know, Judd Apatow loves Life of Brian, for example. So like I've gone back and watched like Life of Brian. So like there's a lot of movies I missed. And I don't want to paint with too broad a brush, but I do... Like clown humor, like punch in the face stuff or mean stuff or anything that was like very, even Revenge of the Nerds was just like kind of harsh. It was. It was. Well, what you forget was like back in the 80s into the early 90s, we also rated our movies that were rated PG. Like Revenge of the Nerds has like a hardcore sex scene in it, doesn't it? And a lot of boobs. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think it was PG. It could not have been. Maybe it was right when they started going to PG-13 or R. But in yeah. the 80s, I'm going to tell you, in the 80s, for sure, there were like nude shots in PG movies. Like Jaws. Yeah. Jaws isn't R, is it? I don't think so. In fact, I know it's not. Because yeah. Because they had to work hard to make it not an R. And they have nudity in that. They also have a shirt, because I used to watch it on TV, and a guy's wearing a shirt that says, same shit, different day. But it it he like wrote an R. It's like a comedy shirt. Wow! So it's the same shirt, different day. But it clearly says same shit, different day. And I'm watching it at home, and I'm like, it's a wow. shit on network TV. How old were you? That would have been like 16, 15, even. That's you got a TV in the basement. Were you traumatized by that? I mean, no, that's, I that's a hardcore. No, I'm kidding. Oh, you are fun. <laughs> You're fun. What a shit. <laughs> I used to love that when they would say Mel, uh, they said ass on Melrose Place, and I was like, <gasps> "That was like, huge." We, t- we all talked about it. What was the Stephen Botchko show that showed a guy's ass or a woman's ass, and it was a big deal? NYPD Blue. Yeah, yeah, remember that? I was governed, though. I gave up my. I was allowing myself to be governed by the TV. If they said ass on TV, Bart Simpson says sucks. Now I say sucks. I'm not saying this is good or bad. Are we allowed to full arrange one to ten curse on this podcast? Yeah. Oh, because one time at SNL, I convinced one of our writers when I was head writer that I I still don't feel comfortable saying. I'm not going to say it. The C word? Yeah, that you could say the C word. I almost said it for comedic effect when you said scale of one to ten. I'd be like, we're at... Oh, uh, now we should. Word one to, <laughs> one to I cunt. can't quite say it. Oh, you said it. Uh, what if the guy shirt and jaws said that? Same oh cunt, my different God. day. <laughs> in, in context, it wasn't as bad, and I went right to the pun. Nice. I didn't say context then. No, the, pun. the confidence in sold the, it. Oh um, 
Yeah. But I convinced one of our staff writers, you know, once a year, you can get the censor to let you use the C word. And I remember this hesitant staff writer going, really? Oh. I was, like, I was like, yeah, I think this is a good use of it. And, of course, my two friends, like, pick up on it immediately. They're like, yeah. And then, like, the writer starts to write it in the script. I'm like, no. Oh, what are you talking about? That's desk pops. What's that? You realize that's desk pop. That's the other guy's. Oh, my God, you're right. You recreated that prank in the movie The Other Guys, and you didn't even know it until this interview. I don't like thinking that my life is that patterned. I just did a show where the, it was science and comedians together. The scientists were explaining pheromones, and I was like, I don't want to think that I smelled my wife, and now we have a baby. You did, but though. We do. Yeah. Free will. I actually it's an illusion. Met, I actually entirely met my wife off her scent. Tell me. She lived a block away, and one day I, used I to just carry woke like up, the lilies. <laughs> and I walked out of my apartment, like, just with my nose in the air and banged on a door. Like a pie. And came up to <laughs> And you threw it in her face. Like a pie on a windowsill. You picked up. Tell no, me what's real. No, that's not real. Oh, okay. But there's I smelled no, my wife. No, I know that's not real, but is, I thought maybe there was an, a kernel of truth in there. Because my wife's smell, first of all, is very similar to mine. People tease me. They say it's twin cess, that my wife looks like me. Okay. But why, what might even be stranger is that she smells like me. So, but like the girl but version of it. you kind of mesh your sense when you're married? Like, well, I, I'm guessing our house. Oh, they sink. They sink, right? Yeah. Like our house probably has a smell, and it's probably my wife. It's, it's a very me. nice, very nice, very nice uh, neutral odor. You're being polite. Not, There's definitely a weird nope. musky stank underneath. There, I'm very sensitive, to like a sun-dried tomato or like a pea soup. I've urinated smell. in this living room about nine. I, I've had cats. We used to have fourteen cats. <laughs> <Did you? laughs> no. Oh my no, god! No. I keep, I'm going to stop believing everything you say because I'm looking for the scoop. You say the scoop, but they, what would the scoop be? I'm trying to think. McKay, well, I'm looking for clickbait. McKay's 17 cat house smells like feet and Fritos. Oh, my God. Which is the same smell, really. We have one cat. And by the way, one cat can leave plenty of urine smell around. Yeah, no, a cat will fuck you up. Our dog, uh, when I was pitching Crashing, and it was, I still get a kick out of talking to Judd on the phone, but I think one of the first times I talked to Judd Apatow on the phone, uh, my dog took a hot piss on our Christmas tree. And I don't know if you've been on a business call. Like an important make While your life call, like a, uh, you know, and then maybe we'll go over to HBO. It smells like Bigfoot stick. You that see what I did? Is good. I tied Judd into Anchorman, Anchorman which, which that is Judd's is, line for anyone who Judd. doesn't know. Judd's and line is. I also know Josh Church's line in the other guys because I'm all Apatow. <laughs> Come on, give it to me. <laughs> he kills it. Free hot dogs or something. He says free hot. Then he goes, not sodas. Can't do it. Can't, Can't do it. That's do where it. all my profits are. Can't yeah, do it. Yeah. He killed it. He killed it. Josh is funny. Josh is very funny, no, but we I, were watching it and we were like, that's our sweet friend Josh. And he scores twice. No, he can take a 90 degree turn. He can. He did it. He knew how to do it. And I, I didn't, that wasn't a last second casting. You knew. I liked his look and I knew he was funny. So. You never see that look. You I, never see a church. Do, we, do you and I commit right now to doing like a 95 minute, like to Boss Brothers style movie with Josh Church starring in it? <laughs> Outline only. What's it's outline that? only. Yeah. I don't know if you know. Did you watch Paddleton? No. I, uh, it's amazing. And I, I was texting. Ugh, let's just let it be. I texted Ray Romano to tell him how great he was in it. Because I, I whatever. Oh, I got to catch up. No, I have not seen that. I'm coming back to life now uh, off of the Vice. The dog and pony show of Vice. Uh, and it, the press. And it lasts forever. And can so I, not, do you care that I'm like, you guys got robbed? It was the best picture? I don't because uh, who I, gives a shit? I, Tell I, me your perspective. Uh, it is definitely. I, here's the funniest conversation I had was during the Oscars. 
I went, I was talking to Christian Bale and they hadn't done best actor yet, but everyone kind of knew it was uh, Rami from uh, Bohemian Rhapsody was kind of, didn't his teeth win the Oscars? His head had moved ahead. They gave him an Oscar with huge teeth. (laughs) Oh my God. Can't say anything. I I know. Let me be the rascal. You you get to be the rascal. And the Oscar went to his teeth, right? Oh my God. Okay. Come on. (laughs) I'll say it because you can't say it. Christian Bale fucking smoked everybody. Oh, his performance is incredible. I can definitely say that. Yeah. But I'm saying deserve to win, and that's maybe... I I don't even want to pull you into the muck. And I just said to him, I go, do you care? Yes. And he's like, oh, man, no, I don't don't care. And I go, but really? And he looks at me, and he's like, no, I really don't care. And I saw it in his eyes like... Oh my God! He's, he's a healthy cool. human. He's he's more he's an artist. That. He's, he's our an, Batman. He's an artist. He's he's, he's the, Batman. He's artist. not the our actor we deserve. I I believe that. I do too. Because you can feel it. And speak to this, Adam. Because I will chat all day on my fucking podcast. People leaving comments. Talk too much. Suck it. Suck my fucking. Do they really? Well, sure. They'd be wrong not to. <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole point no it? i know i think they've gotten wise we've yeah, lost those yeah. people that have that problem but uh christian Bale, you can the people that got into showbiz for the most part to be famous or to be rich or to win awards i guess let's throw in the mix sure just don't really make it or you feel it like, you feel it you feel it coming yeah, off of it. and he does not have absolutely any not. of that so He's, he, after he said that the machinist? oh my god it's not a guy going after no you know what i mean he's like i just want to go to the vanity fair oscar party that's a guy that's like i want to make fucking haunting art well our first screening of the movie where we kind of we did one in westwood that was a big public screening and we got all these great responses to it and i was like oh this is cool and then some reviews came in and some critics were like no no i hate it and all of a sudden there was this mix that was going on and i talked to christian about it and i go yeah i mean there's these amazing reviews and i go and then these people hate it and he goes now it's getting interesting he was like get sincerely this man like, in our lives he's he already in your life get him in my life i want to, this he's like we all like to be liked but come on isn't this why we made it go be a movie star um, Oh my God! See what I did there? That was nice. He's that quoting was nice. Vice quoting Vice end. to the writer director. <laughs> wow! All right, so you're outside the movie theater. You're at the arc light. You're with your wife. Let's do that. But let's Some... do this. When you're directing Bale in that last scene, which you wrote, yeah, which is why I left conflicted, which leads to my conversation afterwards. Is uh, so at the end of Vice. If you haven't seen it, this is not a spoiler. He does something to the camera. He, it's this very famous. Yeah, I don't think you're spoiling anything. Yeah, he yes. does a monologue to camera. Yeah, and a lot of the lines are actual lines that Dick Cheney said. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, like, I thought it was you going like, "This is my take on what I think." Seventy percent of what he says are actual lines that Dick Cheney has said. Well, here's my big question: Get the hot plate sizzling. It's here. <laughs> <laughs> so we're about to shoot that scene. Yes, and Bale says. You're doing this unusual style where you can break the fourth wall. We know that you didn't want Cheney to break the fourth wall. Should we do a take where he does? Because we were just supposed to shoot that famous interview where he says so to the question of what about the Iraq war? Yeah. People are realizing it's not so great. And Cheney actually said so. So we were shooting that. And he goes, if it was ever going to happen, it would be here. This is Bale. This is Bale. And I go, you're right. Can we please? I'm going to carve him an Oscar. Oh, my God. That he can go, I don't care about this shit. And throw it in my face. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, and so I, being the improv guy, as you know from working with Judd, and yeah. I'm sure you are too. I and was you're like, Second City fellow? Second City fellow. I.O., UCB uh, founder. Uh, Second City chappy. <laughs> um, so I said, of course. 
So I told Greg Frazier, our DP, I go, he's going to turn to this other camera, but don't. And Greg Frazier's an awesome DP. He's like, I'm not going to account for it. Well, Let that's it- the great choice is because the camera that he turns to, it's the shot is dirty. Exactly. It looks like it wasn't expecting him. It wasn't. He never adjusted and it turns the out shot. It wasn't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and there's a light flare in it. And uh, yeah. Frazier was like, I love it. My- but that's to the credit of the movie. Everything feels so deliberate. The flies feel deliberate. Uh, Carell hitting his foot on the way in. Feel Everything is deliberate. just like, yeah. everything yeah. is like, well, let's, what if we just did it fucking excellent? That's yeah. a nice compliment for you. Uh, so like this it. felt like the dirty shot with the flare. So he does it once, and I, I wrote some stuff. He he pulled some lines from him. We kind of combined them, and he does it, and everyone just gets chills. Yeah. And it's like that's both the most frightening and amazing thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And then my great editor, Hank Corwin, of course, without me telling him, takes it and ends the movie with it. Yeah. And I'm like, holy crap, that's a ballsy move. Like, Whoa. Because we've just taken the audience to the pits of hell, right? <laughs> we've seen the guy lose – his soul. Yeah, You've seen him yeah. go to the darkness. Yeah. And then to come out and give him the last word. Well, I know. And I love it. Is I that a digital zoom? Are you jumping between takes when just you push cut. in? It's just a cut. You, I thought it was the same take. Yeah. the face is exactly the same. Same take. And then uh, my editor, Hank Corwin, just does He a did smash, it. He did a smash cut. Hank? Yeah. Fuck Hank. Hank. Hank Corwin's a killer. I mean, so they he, were pushing in then, I guess. We were not pushing in. That's so it's just, a digital zoom. That's Because it zooms. No, there, no, it doesn't. That's a it hard doesn't? cut. It's a hard cut. Are you? I, I'm assuming you've seen it more than me. It's. I it, remember the discussion because we were going to pay for it <laughs> to be digital, and then Hank was like, "Look at this," and I was like, "Oh, we don't have to pay for it. That's better." I want to watch. I know you're right. I'm definitely I'm, right. I know you're right. Yeah. There's no part of me because that we discussed right. this. Once but I'm again. like, I just watched it again this morning, and I was like, "Did you really? Yeah, for sure. Wow. I'm not fucking around." And I thought for sure it pushed in half an inch, and I was like, "What an interesting cut right there." And and this is this is what I was talking about. So I'm leaving. So Cheney gets the last word in the movie. Yes, and he gives us very. I just remember what it was like in the early 2000s yeah. and f- feeling that way. You were a sentient being, being at that time. I was yeah. too. I, I was a young man, but I was also like, yeah, we seen need... Animal House. So you weren't fully mature. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but I remember being like the the feeling in the air after 9/11, being like, yeah, you need w- fucked up shit needs to happen. Fucked up shit happened to us. So like, you need like. We need b- villains on our side or something. Exactly. I don't know if we would have put it that way. Well, Cheney did. He said, we got to go to the dark side to fight this. He actually said that in an interview. It's so like, It takes a thief. Yeah, exactly. That was- so he gives this speech, and I'm going, what the fuck just happened? Here's, here's the million dollar. Well, I have two questions, so let's get to the million dollar in a second. One was, uh, when you're directing Bale, you're about to do this Bale idea, Bale idea, that he's going to do the monologue in the interview. Do you say you mean it? Thank you for letting me be your servant. Does he mean it? Or well, he absolutely tears? means it. No yeah. question about it. I, th- I felt that he meant it Yo, too. Oh, and he means every line he says there. I mean, that's what. But that helps us understand, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think what's it, what I loved about it, everyone has a different reaction to it. I mean, yeah. uh, I had a friend of mine tell me, you have to take that out. <laughs> and I was like, why? And he goes, you give him the last word. It's kind of convincing. And I'm like, it's not for me. But it, like, it was for me the first time. 
Yeah. It, it begs the second viewing. Keep going, please. I think, like, you look at what he's done, right? He, you know, tweaked the intelligence to take us to a war there was no call for. He tortured. He crossed that moral line of torture, which it's going to take us 100 years to go back from. You know, there's a bunch of other things. He stopped action on global warming, the world economy, blah, 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 on and on and on. Well, 600,000. 600,000 civilians. civilians and yeah. the number could go as high as over a million when you include military. So, well, the, so those, those stats actually get the last word. It's not Bale's so good. Right. That the stats, the number, I actually wrote it on my notes and what I think everybody in the theater should have to write 600 because you read 600 and then I go to write it down on my notes and you go, so, wait, what? It's, it's too many zeros. It's jaw-dropping. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it makes you sick. It makes you sick. So I feel like the whole way... But that, he means it. The whole way from the Republican Revolution on, from the Reagan Revolution on, part of their line has been, we're going to keep you safe, we're the grown-ups, yeah. you're all rugged individuals... We, daddy's, we, da- daddy's going downstairs with a gun to investigate the noise. It's exactly You it. stay in your bed. In his nightshirt. And watch your Fast and the Furious, like that great last joke. Yes. You yes. guys watch Fast and the Furious, that's fine. Exactly. You can even have legal weed. By the way, people were and mad. And you want the internet? People were mad at me about the Fast and the Furious joke. Really? Yeah, they were like, how dare you you know, diminish Fast and the Furious. I'm like, diminish? I did Talladega Nights. What are you talking about? Like, the idea is daddy's going to go downstairs. Yeah. Daddy's yeah. going downstairs with the gun and, and the candelabra because he's a candelabra man. He's a candelabra guy for sure. You're a single can. So my thinking of all of that was this, his rap at the end is how we got here. Yeah. And if you can't, as, an, we audience, for it. as an audience member, well, some of it, but I didn't ask for it. Like, no, I, I know. Mean, I, I marched in the protests. And, yeah. And I had friends who did. And, and the support for the war, I think, was 75%. So there was millions of people who didn't support it. Right. And even some of that support was tepid. Mm-hmm. So not every one of us asked for it. But if you can't watch this movie and end up with that monologue and kind of a little bit see through it, or I, I don't mind that you got pulled by it. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. But I feel like we got to be able to withstand that temptation of that monologue. Like if we can't. Oh, I agree. Yeah. No, it's the, oh, no it's, I know you agree. I'm just. The, it, uh, yeah. I know. I, I wasn't defending myself. It's the, <laughs> it's the temptation that we all deal with heart versus mind. Exactly. And exactly. your mind says them. Your mind, the film does an amazing job. A guy falls off a telephone pole. These are no spoilers. Go see the movie, you fucking late idiots. <laughs> Somebody, I'm kidding. You're great. <laughs> There's a lot to do. I don't like I, the I don't one mean, guy listening. That one guy listening to us right now, I don't goes, like. <laughs> I called him an idiot. What a, what a jerk I am. I'm just saying I, for fun. So the guy falls off. It starts with the, the potential for human callousy, callousness to see someone in pain and to get on back to work. Very nice. You know what I mean? And it, and it actually opens with him going, woo, and playing dice, which is a, a challenging wow, beginning. Yeah. Is, he like, is that his motive? Is he just drunk and playing dice? Because the whole time you're wondering. And then at the end, it's actually kind of a relief that he's not entirely just being drunk and playing dice. At least he was being... It's, it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think the, the talking points, if I kept you safe... I mean, the big thing we really discovered with him, and we did a lot of, obviously, a lot of research on him, he's kind of the ultimate codependent in a way. Ah, what's, yeah. his, what's his partner? So his partner <laughs> is power. And he is a, that's why in the beginning he would be a servant to power. And in the end, he's, I, why I love the line in the end, and once again, we're not ruining anything, where you asked me to, to serve you, and I, I, I did. It was my asked. honor to do. I did what yeah. you asked. Is I don't think he's talking to the American people there. I think he's talking to power. And I think oh. he's confused the two. Yeah, I think there's a dark shape he's talking that's to. That's almost like, I, I grew up Christian, that's like Bible analysis, where they go, well, who is Jesus talking to when he says, 
you. You know Ooh. what I mean? Like that's like that's real deep you literary. Grew up Christian, really? I did. Yeah. Very, so did I. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, wait for it. There's oh another good God. iron in the fire. I had a born again Christian mom, man. I think I, I just met your stepmom. Uh, that's that's my a... stepmom. She and my my dad was a little while got religious with my mom, and then they split up. And then it ended. And that. he's more like us. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, religious, but not. My mom is very, very religious. Well, I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah, we let's. To talk we're going to stay that. on Vice for two. And s- there's a lot of that. I think in Vice, there's a lot of like, like really kind of epic power imagery, light and dark. I mean, once we started walking into this story, I was like, oh my god, this story is like a thousand years old. Like right. I couldn't believe. I didn't expect well, it's head, that. It's head versus heart. The heart wants. This is Ramdas. He says he wants to give away the store. Heart loves everybody. Yeah. Heart can't walk over the homeless person. You can't. You ever step over a homeless person in New York? You have to. Right, right. I used to have them. They'd be passed out in front of my apartment. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah, that me too. There was a guy that slept in my stairs, and my head would help me walk over him because yeah. my head would go, "He's a homeless person." You I know, would give them McDonald's gift certificates. There were th- there were times that I would do those things too, <laughs> but the heart can't handle it. So the head creates others. So you have these moments where you see the Cambodian bombing. Yeah. You see the Iraq bombing. I love that moment, by the way. That's one of my favorites in the movie. It's the point. Yeah. Who is other? Yeah. I had this moment where I was kind of speaking, uh, not against Louis, but kind of talking badly about how he handled some of the aftermath of the scandal. Sure. And a lot of uh, people were like, how could you turn your back on one of your own? And I, was, and I said to Val, I go, who isn't one of my own? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to get too new age no, here. No, no. I'm just I saying, mean, what do you mean, that my tribal own? kind of thing is. I'm a comedian? Like, is the blue line? Like, scary. Like, yes, exactly. I, I find that's why, if you, and you've seen the movie three times, so maybe you caught this. Yeah. We have a shot of like hyenas in the movie, like yeah. night vision goggles of hyenas. Yeah. And that's the thing I always refer to is like, at a certain point, you're not arguing ideology. Yeah. You're not arguing. It's not like, good or bad. It's fishing. It's it's high, <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. Well, that's a you that's saw a, our movie. Man. I did see your movie. I, you have and no I think idea I saw it the first time. I, you have I want no you idea know. how many times people were like, "Why does he keep using the fishing metaphor?" I'm like, "It's that line. Yeah, that yeah. line's the key to it." Yeah. There were a bunch of people like, "They just keep cutting back to the fishing." What does it mean? I was like, "No, he tells the daughters. Yeah. That's what it means." And to his do- children, he's it, telling children, "It's not, I don't want to hurt this one." I mean, everything is. It's, oh, uh, that fun. is good that you Here, brought that. Here's what Your I Bible skills. <laughs> no, it is Bible analysis. Yeah, no, for real. It's going. Why is this in there? Wow. One of my favorite things about Bible analysis. We always talk about God at the end, but they go like, either the Bible is true. I don't believe it's literally true, and I don't think that's the point. But they go, if it's not true, let's say the Bible's not literally true, then why is it in there? And that makes you. Then what is the author trying to do by yeah. including it? If he didn't walk on water, then why is it in there? And now you're. And I'm not trying to be funny. You're like having sex with it. Like you're merging with it and you're getting inside of it. Well, it is. So I love it's, that an, stuff. it's an imprint of, you know, the, the human subconscious from thousands of years ago. That's right. And the fact that this stuff still resonates, you can say whatever you want about religion. Yeah. In a weird way, divorce the Bible from religion. Just look at it for what it is. And yep. it actually gets more powerful. That's like, right. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. And that's actually one of the greatest discoveries of my adult life was if you don't look at it as literally true as a textbook and you look at it as something more complicated, history overlaid with mythology, suddenly you're having, you're understanding why it still exists. And, and why you, you can dip into, you can still be religious. You can still feel a respect for the mystery of the unknown, the, you know, sure. 99.9 to the billionth power of the, of reality that we will never know. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> 
You can also dip into Jung. You can also look at yeah. wow. myth, and then it makes that more powerful as well. Yeah, right. I couldn't. I couldn't agree. It's more. your only shot. I used to think you're really in my passion zone. I used to think that myth and metaphor meant not true, and Jung and Joseph Campbell and all these people would and Rudolf Steiner. Have you ever read Rudolf Steiner? No. Oh, you have a treat. Am I in a treat? Way. Okay, I'm going to take your copy. Listen. Luciferic <laughs> versus Aramonic evil. Oh Ooh. my god, Rudolf Steiner. Yep. That's ba- the- that's Barry Michaels, by the way. Uh, okay, he's the one who turned me on to uh, Rudolf Steiner. But wow. He's amazing. I can't yeah. wait. But these these things being the only shot you have to touch something that's ultimately unknowable. Yeah, talk about ninety nine point nine. It's unknowable, but the closest you can get is this weird like huh? Like just for a second, you're like. Yeah, and it, and it takes like a story or a myth to get you there. It's how we wake up after having really intense dreams. That's right. And we want to tell everyone, and it just comes out as a jumbled mess. That's right. Yeah. But for a moment, in the quiet of the morning, you were, you were it. You were it. You were yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I was working in a writer's office that was also at a pier for some reason. This is one I had the other night that was like in a harbor. But it was a writer's office at SNL, and I was working in it, but there was a harbor with ships in it. Like, And you wake up, and I was starting to tell my wife about it, and I can't believe I just said it on this podcast. No, it I sounds love like it. total gibberish. I just wrote a book, and my editor was like, write a, write a dream, lose a reader. But we're not writing a book right now. Write, <laughs> say a dream, fascinate the host. That's great. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah, but anyway, that wife. moment after that dream, that's really what I'm talking about, is that moment yeah. of there was something so true in that strange overlay that was going on yeah and i start telling my wife and like five seconds into it i'm bored I know. you know yeah yeah but the most interesting things are boring and that's why were those girls actors in the beginning of the movie the ones that are listening to the music uh wait which girls are you talking about in the beginning of vice uh we're talking about how life is hard we cut from the amazon worker oh uh, they're not actors no that's off youtube really yeah that was, we just found that. That makes me so happy because I was like, I almost don't want to ask because I don't want to be disappointed that you tell me that you were like, no, we told these girls to go nuts. We, one of the fun things about this movie, and this is once again, shout out to Greg Frazier, one of the great DPs. You can't tell in our movie what's stock footage and what's not. I agree. I had a, when you cut to the UN and stuff, you're like, what? Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's mixture of both, obviously. Well, you, did, you, did you put Rockwell's face on Bush? We put Rockwell's face on Bush. Yeah. We reshot terrorist attacks because we didn't feel comfortable using the actual. Yeah. So we reshot the subway attack in yeah. London. Yeah. And I had a British journalist go, where did you get that footage of that attack? I've never seen that before. He's like, no, we, we right. shot it. Like, so and when it, ISIS is introduced, there's that bombing, and that looks very real. That actually is real. That, That's yeah, that the one, but it's real. a wide shot. It is wide. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. That was the big. Is that Malibu on fire at the end? I don't know. There's a shot of like oh, it's driving one of my on the front. favorite shots in the whole movie. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. that's so funny. I'm so stupid sometimes, and I, I'm not afraid of it. I I'm it, like, I thought you didn't know what I was talking. About. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I mean, in the hearing, end of the movie, there's a fiery road. Hearing you valid? talk about the movie, like the fact that you caught the line to the daughters it's the fishing, it's line. not good or bad. Like it's the point, it's we lived inside <laughs> this movie for nine months yeah. editing this movie, or eight months, or whatever yeah. it was, and. No, we know every nook and, know. and everything was a choice. To hear you catch that is like the best. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've brought gifts. Here's my thing, the hot sizzle that I've been waiting, yeah. wanting, wanting to say, not waiting. 
but wanting, is that I think the reason I was conflicted about him was you did have, I wrote down all the Save the Cat moments, specifically when he's silly with the girls. Yeah. When he's good about her, uh, his daughter coming out, you know, like you think it's such a, in the theater, it was so tense. Yeah. Like, oh, no. By word, word for word, what they both said. Really? Yeah. He said, doesn't matter. We love you no matter what. She started crying and said, this is going to be so hard for you. How do we know that? Uh, Mary and a couple other accounts. Mary wrote wow. an autobiography. Oh, get and, out. Uh, yeah. Jordan Peele. Get <laughs> out. Uh, I'm just saying Jordan Peele now when I ever want to say I, get out. By the way, I support that. It's a superhero movie. He's compared to Galactus in the movie. It is a Marvel movie. It's the same myth as a Marvel movie. Do you know who said this after they saw it? Ian Roberts from the Upright Citizens Brigade. I know Ian. Walks up to me and goes... I feel like you made like the origin story of Dr. Doom. Yeah, that's That's what it is. It kind of is because, I mean, I I also look at it because one of the knocks we got from certain corners was, why did you humanize him? Mm. And I'm like, well, there's no point in telling the story. The the whole reason there's a story there is because he was human. Yeah. And he did change. And that's why there's a story. Right. And if you don't do that, we're just, you know, it's it's a political cartoon the entire time, you know. Right. And uh, so you are 100% correct. Like Dr. Doom. When he was at the academy, he had some interesting ideas, but they laughed at him. <laughs> and that hurts. <laughs> but, you know, so Jay Duplass, you mentioned the Duplass brothers. Jay Duplass did this podcast, and we were talking about mythology and how we both love Joseph Campbell. And we were talking about how America currently has a broken mythology. Yeah. I'm guilty of enjoying it, but it is the look at Captain America. Look at uh, Nick Cage, the, played by Sam Jackson, yeah. the agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's Cheney. You know, like, we're going to have this thing, and it can shoot a laser that can kill anybody, and Captain America's like, I don't know about this, but they use it. Or look at Christian Bale in The Dark Knight. We have a surveillance thing that listens to every cell phone. 100%. And Batman's conflicted about it's it. Vigilanteism. It's vigilanteism. It's like, vigilanteism. It doesn't and it work. Do whatever you can, and the biggest gun wins. That's the problem. The cool the thing gun. about Marvel, and i got to give Feige a ton of credit, he knows that. Mm. So Winter Soldier actually addresses that, like... Yep. The Ant Man I, I wrote on the first Ant Man, like we actually deal with that. Like, yeah, we talk I feel about that. It. Yeah, I wouldn't like, like the movies if they didn't. Exactly. And I've seen Winter Soldier ten times, and I've seen Ant Man. You know Winter what I'm Soldier's saying? Really good. I love yeah. Winter Soldier. I don't know why I keep going back to it, but Thor Ragnarok is my all time favorite. Uh, it has what I call no offense humor, which is that New Zealand guy who I love. But I'll be like, Ah, Adam, got yourself a nice little jacket there. Not that it's too little. <laughs> Just right, just a good, a good cufflink. No offense. Yes, and you say, whatever you say, you act as if they might be that's, offended by it. That's totally legit. I like it, but the imagination like behind that movie. Oh, I don't is need to be putting it down. Startling, like who, like how? I want to like study the process of writing that script. Yeah, you know, like yeah. Um, that movie knocked me over. That's my all-time favorite Marvel. But uh, we're going way far afield. Your idea of uh, broken field. mythology. Yeah. That's like at the core of Vice. Yeah, like that is we. It is the it's the real life broken. That is, I mean, they by they I mean the moneyed interests were really smart. They redesigned American mythology. They basically told us if you use government, you're weak. It's a nanny state. You got to wear a cowboy hat. Yep, and you got to do it on your own. Except for the billionaires because they that's their money. And why would you ever want to take it? And that's our predominant, even with people sometimes that are left wing or Democrats, you still see them kind of buy into the idea that anyone who takes welfare is lazy. Anyone who's, you know, right. And I always pointed out after the economic collapse in 0708, I'm like, so what? Suddenly 5 million people just got really lazy. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, That's very interesting. but you know, do you know George Lakoff at all? Mm-mm. Oh my God. You're going to love Lakoff. He talks about political.
political metaphors and uh -huh. he studied the Republican Party and how they use the father figure as like their kind of central messaging device. Oh, really? Yeah, you'll you'll. Oh, wow! You'll I just inhale, like that as a topic. Oh my God! You'll inhale Lakoff, <laughs> and he's been begging the Democrats for years to say the only thing that counters the mythology of the father is the betraying father. The only way you have to get into that like deep sense of the father betraying the family and that's laced yeah. throughout our movie. That's yeah. why you have him. He in with his daughter. In fact, when his daughter cries, I cry every time and I'm just like, Oh, it's, it's archetypal. Yeah. Daddy fucked you. I don't mean literally. I don't no, mean no, I know I what mean, you mean. I know what you mean. fucked you over. Yeah. Because, oh, God. And it's, it makes it worse for how sweet he was when you came so out. So we laced all of that in there. There's yeah. constantly when Lynn's father, the suspicious death of her mom, they yeah. don't really know, was she murdered? Was it a suicide? No one's exactly sure. Yeah. But we know that her father was a troubled guy, and it was yeah. a rough household. And that's when Cheney becomes the father at that funeral. And and that's also a save the cat moment. That's a two-pronged thing. <laughs> it's funny me, hearing you phrase it as a save the cat, because we were in the edit room like this is the fatherhood this is the the essence of the fatherhood coming into fruition oh. now his power is meshed with Lynn. like we were talking about it like that oh, but i love hearing it just save the cat yeah yeah it 100%. just makes him likable yeah well you want to talk about we the weren't fun. doing it for that we were doing it for i yeah i yeah, saw it as yeah, a, yeah. oh it's humanizing him because that is such a that is the 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 story is that he's the, the he's the dad that says stay away from my family exactly and the it, terrorists are going I killed your mother. 100%. And he's going to stay away from my family. But this is why I'm, at the end of the movie, I go, he did help us sleep peaceably. You know what I mean? Like you catch yeah. yourself. We have to. He I made have us to... think we were sleeping peaceably. That's and, right. And that's why it's the betraying father. Because that's right. he put us in much greater danger. I mean, the destabilization of the Middle well, East. ISIS, they made ISIS. They made They made ISIS. ISIS. I mean, they really did. But don't you see, this is the problem. I'm, I'm offering myself as the problem. I see a movie, and clearly I'm understanding the movie, and I'm going, oh, they made ISIS because of this lie. Poor Colin, well, either fuck Colin Powell or poor Colin Powell. Somewhere in between the two. Somewhere in between yeah. makes ISIS, here's real footage, a wide shot, albeit. And torture, of a, too. And the like, torture, horrible stuff, the duct tape over the eyes is very Oh, my traumatic. God, going after the Constitution, 10 different ways. Yes. Unitary executive theory. Yes. Which is terrifying. We're seeing it come into play now. And still... A strong guy goes, look at all the power I have. And I go, is that Captain America? I love it. So, but you're aware of it right now. I mean, that's awesome. Like, Well, that's the problem. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I heard some problem. right wingers who there was some dude on Twitter who was like, I'm right wing. I love the movie. Cheney kept us safe. He's a father. And Interesting. I was talking to Hank Corwin about this, my editor, and I was like, what do you think of this? Wow. And he's like, we knew that was coming. I mean, you sh we showed it. We well, that's showed, what makes you know, it. Well, to go back to the Bible, look at how many different. I, this is there's your clickbait. Pete compares vice to the Bible, but I'm just saying there's a lot we of ways to interpret. We talked about the Bible when we edited it. Is that right? Not far off at all. I oh, yeah. mean, we definitely talked yeah. about that kind of Campbell, Joseph Campbell, biblical. But look at how many ways you can project yourself onto it. So yeah. this this is like a mirror or whatever. But can I just say the fallen father? And I have to. Let's just put it this way. I love this is a leading comment. Not a question. I hope it wasn't a riff. I don't know why. Who cares if it was? But there's no better fallen father than a guy at his wife's funeral saying, I'll do a handstand right here. Yeah, that is, was that in the script? Oh, my God. 
that was improvised with uh, with it's Shay and myself. Oh my, my there's god! There's photos of a my drunk gr- dad. I can do a hand. We know that guy. Do you know where I got that from? Tell me. There's everything. photos of my grandfather, who was a bit of a madman type character in the '50s and '60s, mm. doing handstands at like weddings and events. That's where I got it from. Wow. And no doubt, like lit up, drunk, like. And by, I love my grandfather. Yeah, but, sure. Uh, he did get well, sober not, in the '70s, but uh, that remind I've said that Trump is sort of a perversion of dad energy, meaning dad and I don't want to take dads down. Dad energy isn't a bad thing. No. Dad energy is you're going to school and dad goes, you want, you want to go to Disneyland? Yeah. And you don't go to school. That's, so that's like kind of a good use of dad energy. By the way, amazing how Donald Trump, I've always, and it's so obvious that we don't even talk about it, literally looks like an early 20th century clown. Like literally, right? I've said he either looks like an early 20th century clown or a late 19th century political cartoon come to life. Hilarious. Right? And Uh, perfect. And the kind of sidebar, Cheney's heart is like the, the, the perfect metaphor like the symbol it's a symbol it's like yeah. a, it's like an arthur miller play it's such an obvious symbol and the that fact he, that it's real and it's like, real. Yeah. that's when you start going jesus christ we're in a simulation like it's a joke that's like exactly. they're waiting for us to wake up when i was reading the stuff <laughs> when i was doing the research i was saying that i was I, going this is crazy in the best way it feels like you got a bunch of great studio notes which i know you didn't but i'm just i'm assuming you didn't but you know when they're saying we want to understand the drive. We want to see the the. You've gotten. You have a different reaction to studio. No, notes. no, 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 no. Not at all. I've gotten. I used to work with Matt Tolmack over at Sony. Who great great Good studio, studio notes. notes. Donna Langley over at Universal's Wicked Smart. But you Smart. know how they usually there's, want to ground the audience to the picture, and there's these real life things that help us. That understand. was probably more Plan B, who we worked with. You know, Dee Dee Gardner, Jeremy Kleiner, yeah. and that was me and my editor. Yeah, that was us because I like to, and I know obviously you work with John. I like to. Screen movies for people. I like to do test screenings. Yeah. I like to show it to friends. Yeah. I like to just see it through fresh eyes as much as I can. Right. And the thing we kept learning is because, you know, it's a wild movie, obviously. I mean, we jump from here to here constantly, break the fourth but wall. But that's what I love. They, yeah. When people go, like, well, the inciting incident happens on page 30. Exactly. I'm like, Eat a shit sandwich, you fucking assholes. Look at this. You'll never understand the dream about the SNL writer's room in the harbor. <laughs> you, you cocks. Don't tell me this is math. I know. I saw some You guy, can't have everything. I saw some guys say there's actually two preludes to the movie. And I was just like, go jump yeah. up your own at. Like, what are you talking about? I know. I know Sid Field, three act structure as well yes. as anyone. We don't yes. need to talk about that like. well when there's a lot of like quotes and there's a lot of time jumping but when you're looking at it you're like this is the only way it could have been it doesn't feel like well, those are the studio notes and, and not exactly studio notes but those are those notes of oh. the more we went towards the family the more we went towards the love between the two of them and even though it's not front and center it's the yeah. backbone yeah and the moment that really we discovered towards the end of the edit which is a big one is when he finally becomes vice president which basically means he's president and he's in that doorway yeah and we go back to lynn and he's telling her how to make the mac and cheese i can't and then the other one was when we're about to bomb iraq and we go to the family dinner table and they're talking about American Idol. Yeah. Those two moments. You like that guy. Were, oh, oh, I like that guy. He's talking about Simon. Yeah. Oh, I like that guy. Oh, yeah. No, you like And then him, he Dad. says you want to make a fish from smelling. He tells a joke. Yes. Cut off its nose. You can't hate the guy that, and then you're. And then the we thing. bomb Baghdad. Yeah, that's right. And then we kill a million people. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Well, let's fucking 
It's America, man. America's complicated. It is complicated. It's complicated. But when we talk terrifying about- and heartwarming and terrifying and heartwarming. Like, I know. Yeah. It's a huge... If it was a book, you know oh, what I mean? Oh, my God. It's a daunting. It's like infinite jest times a million. It's it like really too, is, It's too man. thick, and you need a lot of degrees to understand I it I always fully. joke when I watch, like, the San Francisco 49ers, or you hear the, the mascots for, like, teams. She likes them. Are you a 49ers fan? I always laugh, like, 49ers are horrible guys. They're, like, drunk dudes who showed up and just dug holes everywhere looking yeah. for gold. Yeah. Like, And, you know, I know the gold rush led to... But don't you, know, you see, doesn't that stuff, this cultural, our cultural subconscious understanding that our food... There's a quote, uh, who said it? As long as we have slaughterhouses, we'll have battlefields. There's this, Ooh, there's this great sleeping, line. right? There's this idea that pain, we can't, we stole our land and these things don't go away. We dug these holes. We are, the White House was built by slaves. It's It's the the fucking shining. Uh, Yeah. Which it is the shining. By the way, everything's the shining. Everything's the shining. Are we done? Do we drop our mics and (laughs) go jump in my ice cold pool? (laughs) Do a cold plunge, man. I love that feeling. But it is, have you seen Room 237 that kind of explains? And they have all the Native American stuff that I never caught. I was like, Jesus Christ, it is about America. It really is. But we can't, it is your dream though. You're still dreaming about this SNL writer's room. And I, I used to, I, I'm divorced, so I would occasionally, it's been years, but I'd wake up and remember that I dreamt about my ex-wife or had some weird, yeah. it, you know, you're done with the past, but the past isn't done with you. Oh, yeah. That's what's going on here. So when we can't make peace or sense of the atrocities of the past, when we can't come clean and say, like, we fucked up or, or this or that, yep. they keep... I mean, that is the entire things. reason... Because we knew this movie was going to be a sob, we knew it was going to be incredible. a real son of a gun. Oh my Close god! Close your pud. Uh, Sorry, yes. that's a great. <laughs> when, you, when a comedian, I, you know, I'm a comedian, I go, "Pulls your pud." You know, like you make a note. It's such go, a late '60s because so we had a big debate about that. Pulls like, go yank your wanker or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. "No, no," he would say pud. "pud." Like that's what you said in the late '60s. We had a big uh, debate about that. Well, but anyway, it's a yeah, we quote. knew uh, it. Just that crazy feeling, like you said, of having lived through this mm. and knowing what went down and knowing how it connects to where we're at. But yet, yeah, no one talked. It was just the weirdest feeling. And yeah. then that guy in the middle of it. What a mystery he was. It was like we couldn't resist. It was like. That's amazing. I mean, at one point, one of my, I called one of my producers. I was like, uh, Kevin Messick, who's a great producer. And I said, uh, I think I got our next movie. And I was like, Dick Cheney. And he laughed. He thought I was kidding. Oh, my God. And I God. go, no, no, I'm for real. And I was like, did you want me to say Spider-Man 3? <laughs> That's hilarious. You know, it's funny. When you say at the beginning of the movie, you even set up that he's like monotone and that he did it like a fucking ghost. Old Clemens giving yeah, us the chills with that so good, good. deal. So good at it, oh. and old Plemons gives us—he did it like a ghost. Even that, and be, and that quote, "Beware the silent man." Yeah, in the theater, people were like, "That's right, that's right." So people said it like oh, black church. They said God. it out loud, wow. or any color enthusiastic church. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. But they were just like, "That's right," and I was like, "Jesus Christ!" Because I had a sense of where it was going, and there's this quote that's sort of in service of Cheney, and we all know what happens. But you go like. Yeah, it's the art of war. Yeah. But like we're built on anyway. Try- I love that moment from her saying, I won't put up with this. And we came up with that idea, go to black when he says, I'll never disappoint you again. Beautiful. And then that score, that Nicholas Pertel score, that piano piece over yeah. those credits. Yeah. I mean, Nicholas Pertel, by the way, 
of note. Like, I, have you ever heard the Beale Street score that he did? No. It's one of the most beautiful movie scores I've ever heard. And the one he did for us is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to it isolated. I think we've got like a grandmaster on the really? horizon. Yeah. Oh, like, wow. He did, those, he did the score for Succession as well. Okay. Yeah. Is Christian Bale saying that in the room or was that... He's still in the room. We just played it over black. Really? Yeah. It's that audio. Oh, and no, the flies yeah, we, were real. Did you have a fly wrangler? We had, yeah. You, well, you've used the fly wrangler. You know the guy from town. Oh, yeah. Timothy Benchwa. We, he's the fly wrangler? He's the best. you got to fly him in because he's up in Alaska. And fly he's got, him in? He's got seven flies that can actually turn when you want them to roughly. I mean, there's, he, he'll tell you over and over again. With what, sound? Keep in mind, they're flies. He uses claps. Different. To, no, this is totally made up. You are. <laughs> There's just a lot of flies in the room, and Hank Corwin and I were like, See, "This it, is it, why I need like." It's hard for me sometimes on the show because I am gullible. <laughs> I do improv and stuff, but you know the stakes. Like we By go way, out, and I'm like, "We're I, gonna play." Can I defend you for a second? Sure. There's so many crazy things in movies. You know the guy. It's you not gotta fly him in that insane. That's not that insane. Uh, we used a rat wrangler on uh, Step Brothers. Did you? I am not kidding. They had a rat, and they were like, "If you put the food, and then the rat couldn't do it, of course." But um, <laughs> so the idea of a fly wrangler is not that crazy. And but, we're back to fake balls. But I like the different uh, gradients of clapping. That's how they control them. Like, I love. Well, I did say sound, and you're yeah. like, "It's clapping." I mean, I'm kind of believing it no there were just tons of flies there and everyone kept saying you're going to take those flies out right and i was like no no we're not taking those flies out and they were somebody had to go like well for consistency for continuity they won't be in the other shots exactly. and one la- lands on bill's face it's incredible and crawls down that's when i knew they were real i was like oh they added these in post because and it, on the it took the second or third viewing before i was like oh this is lynn's mom's house Right, very good. You know what I mean? Because oh you kind of go like, <laughs> wow. you kinda, well, this is a good day for me. Wow. But can we talk about Cheney eating, being irresponsible with his body and his heart? Yeah. And there's something about how Trump only eats fast food. Like, there's a great Trump movie in you too, although it's almost beneath you because you did this great. I feel like it's the brother, right? The brother who died. That's the. That's Trump the Trump story. movie. Yeah, that's oh, the interesting. one. Yeah. I did, there's something about... And I feel like it's animated. Oh and I'm not saying children's animation. I mean, beautiful... Scanner Darkly. <laughs> yes. Some things need to be animated. I think that's why they did Scanner Darkly. I agree. In that... Charles Burns palette. kind of style. Yeah. Because yeah. we can't... Did you know cartoons, like the, the ability for people to picture things as cartoons predates... Like cartoons, they they discovered that it's like deep in our psyche. Really, like when you hallucinate and that stuff. That twenty four. I've heard that about the twenty four frames per second. No, what? That is actually, you know, I mean, obviously, film is twenty four frames per second. Uh, although now it's all digital, but we shot ours on a film, which was nice. You can tell. Yeah. Uh, oh, take that. So nice. Kodak. We I have did, a deal oh, with Kodak. Oh no, Kodak did a great job. Kodak laser. And we did right. not clean it out entirely either. We left it dirty in certain. Yeah, areas. you can tell. Oh, it feels so good. I, I I'm picturing the shot where they're watching the election where carter wins in the white house yeah, and that's a film it's shot. a beautiful it's shot. so warm yeah. and you're just like, what am i a film jerk uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm a film jerk I, I i think i'm just old enough but anyway uh yeah 24 frames per second oh yes please it's it's exactly what you're saying it's hardwired into our brains like if we were bats or we were like possum whatever it would be film. whatever 63 frames per second would it want would something be else three frames per second if right. we were a mako shark right it would be two frames per second and like, a loud noise yeah exactly okay yeah like, it's a good movie f- flailing against water they would use <laughs> that as to carry the sound isn't that interesting well yeah that so there's something about the heart and then when Plemons says he he doesn't refer to it as my heart 
he refers to it as his new his new heart. Yeah, which he just said recently. Actually, he said it in some interview. But that it, is the like, and I'm not trying to be anti meat here. I'm just saying that is a. It's not cow. Like in German, they eat flesh. The same word for flesh is the is same word for, for meat. And obviously in English, we have meat and we have flesh. And if you're eating a hamburger and I say, how's your flesh? You tell me to go fuck myself because I just at least... I would, I would laugh and be like, you seem like a cool guy. <laughs> My name's Adam. But anyone but else, what I'm saying? 90% of the population would right. say, scream and run out of the Denny's. They wouldn't like yeah, it. Yeah. At least it would give them pause. Or they'd have to make a choice and be like, you're goddamn right. It's flesh. I love flesh. Yeah. How are you enjoying Scott? That would be the next step. That's pre you. That's way pre you. The SNL sketch about naming the lobster. You remember? Oh my god! Wait, I'm trying to remember. I don't know that. It's like early '70s SNL where they're just showing a lobster, and they're like, "We're going to boil this lobster," and then I think it's a crawl, and then they go like, "His name is Larry." Oh yes, yes, yes. And yes. Uh, he, th- this is his family. I mean, in fairness to my Scott joke, naming your food is an old, is old it? chestnut. It's a great really? one. It's a dad joke because I make my youngest daughter, my 13 year old, laugh by doing that by telling her all about that's the hilarious. life of the food we're about to eat. Eckhart Tolle. Do you know Eckhart Tolle? Of course. Well, yeah. I would have been shocked if you said no. <laughs> we are in L.A., but uh, I love Eckhart Tolle, and he makes this really kind of chillingly, maybe not existential, but kind of brings you into that nice hollow place yeah uh, where he goes like when we watch it's like when you watch planet earth and you see a fish die you're just like it's the circle of life like the fish has died and he goes uh, but we don't look at our own worlds that way like we and then he goes but if you named a fish and then you printed up a little piece of paper he's funny he says this. he's being wow. funny it's in the power of now he goes if you printed up a little birth certificate for the fish oh my God. and the time it was born and I the city it was born this and, uh, and you named his kids and you had pictures of his kids. Well, we actually do. We do would that. be so sad when the well, fish dies. We do. And we're little kids. We name our fish of and then we course. do little burials for him. Yeah. You need a fish funeral. Wow. But this is battlefield slaughterhouses. Like we're all looking the other way. And this is the guy who falls off the telephone pole. Get that man a yeah. shot of whiskey is the best we can do. Oh. And then there's like the Dick Cheney guy that goes, Drive him into town. Yeah. He's the dad. We, or it's House of Cards where Kevin Spacey's character kills the dog, strangles the dog. That's right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I think you do. Well, it's hard. It's that part of America that's like my grandmother uh, was from Texas, and she told me when she was 11 years old, a doctor came into town. They lined all the kids up in the street, in the middle of the street, from age five to like 19, and the doctor went down the line with a pair of pliers and pulled all their tonsils out just with no anesthesia at all, and they all ran away crying, and kids were screaming. And then <laughs> is, I, this is a bit. Is this, this the fly is, I, By the way, I've been had enough is, on this podcast. This one is 100% true, <laughs> and it's crazier than the fly wrangler. It is crazier than and the fly wrangler. And then she had an, uh, a, a sister who there was a tornado, and they had to go in the root cellar, and they realized they're in knee-high water, and they hear the sound of a rattlesnake in the pitch blackness. Like, that's the backbone of America. Like, America's a, like the settlers. The I mean, it's yeah, harsh. Right. It's the shining. It's yeah. They don't they make were, it. The pioneers were, don't make it. It's a Louis C.K. bit. I understand controversy noted. That's yes, the phrase. Yes. I mean. Controversy noted. He has that bit about going across the country and you'd leave whatever New York. Let's say you'd get to Utah and it would be a different group. Yeah. So like you'd have bread oh, and those people would have died wow. and a different group would arrive in Utah. And oh, there's something distinctly American about that. A hundred percent. And like have you seen about Schmidt? 
Uh, yes, where yes. Jack Nicholson goes to the Native American Museum the and, he, and he goes, they got a raw deal. <laughs> and it's like, we're about Schmidt. We're Schmidt. We're Warren Schmidt going like, we don't really know. We don't think about it. It's The Shining and we're back. Oh, my God. <laughs> Alexander Payne is actually uh, directing a movie for Gary Sanchez, our production no company. Way. And I just spoke. This seems name droppy, but I think of it more as we're all film fans and I'm yeah. sharing information. Double S. And I just spoke to him a couple hours ago. Get shit. Yeah, he's the nicest guy. Expression. He uh, and I and David O. Russell, my, my uh, Alexander Payne story, went to the Nixon Museum about 14 years ago and almost got thrown out several times of why because uh, we're making jokes and it's, <laughs> it's the nixon museum and uh pain is very funny so is david o russell and we we're just doing bits the whole time and I the lady said if you, if you keep doing this uh we're gonna have to ask you to leave and then later she's like i'm tempted to ask you to leave and i was like oh i kind of wish we had all gotten thrown out that would have been nice how did cheney get the boot the movie there there it's not I, i'm not gonna use the word glaring but they go cheney got the boot from yale uh, what it said we had more and then you know the original draft of course was 180 pages long oh my god uh he Judd would have shot it like that <laughs> god bless him, by yeah, the way. he would have done it um and we yeah he openly says he drank the entire time and didn't go to classes really? and there's a story of him riding a tricycle down like two flights of stairs for a party they had in their like they don't call them dorms there they call them like colleges or whatever where, sure. wherever he was staying and there's insinuations that maybe some raucous you know punches kind of stuff and his wow. and then so he lost his scholarship and then his parents scrimped to pay for him to see if he could pull it out and then eventually yeah it was like get out of here but the stories <laughs> i heard were that he was very insecure he would wear his cowboy boots around and his there's whole, a shot of the boots yes on the word boots my God. <laughs> you made the movie I'm for me. I'm a little freaked out. I got to be honest. You caught everything. You didn't know you made the movie for me. And a little bit like George W. Bush. He was like an yeah. insecure guy yeah. who would treat everyone like they weren't real. I'm from Wyoming. Look at my boots. And the Yale guys were just like, this guy's kind of sad. And then one of his friends described seeing him on the day he was thrown out. He's like... I guess I'll just go back home and like he was afraid to try. That was kind of the story. Really? He didn't want to go to class. He had one class he liked, but he was afraid to try and fail. And it was intimidating. These are the yeah. the ultimate rich, you know, powerful people were there. And he was like, so the power, let's talk about power because that seems to be his motivation. Yeah, and this is a, a point that's been really controversial about the movie too. There's been a lot of arguments about with what is the motivation and I looked at it like an addiction story. I looked at it like Sid and Nancy was a movie I watched a few times. Yeah. That it's a love story that becomes... Which has an absurd Sinatra... That's like your right. movie does yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. 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 And so I really looked at the whole story as Lynn needed to be safe. She grew up in a tough household. She had yeah. something none of the women had in that town. She had this ambition. She wanted to go take control of life so she could make her home safe. Right. And, you know, uh, she meta. sees the shots. There's a couple professors that would date me. Like she knows exactly. she's mapping the future. Exactly. <laughs> and she's going, Are you in this future? Exactly. Yeah. And so <laughs> she says to him, Are you going to taste what I'm tasting, basically? Yeah. Yeah. And he goes, Yes. Yeah. And he turns out to be the real master. He right. ends up, because he's got this, there's a line from the real Lynn Cheney. She says, if you want to understand my husband, you only have to know one thing. He's a fly fisherman. And he has a patience. That's, that gave me like eerie chills. Yeah. <laughs> I almost put it in the movie, but it was so crazily on the head yeah. that I went with the quiet man yeah. instead. Yeah. 
And uh, I actually think that's the right choice. And I'm not buttering your bread. I have buttered your bread a lot, but I'm. You have, and it's delicious. It's pumpernickel. <laughs> I just want people to know it's that margarine. I know it's not butter. That I'm very excited to talk to you. But this is not just bread buttering. That's a better choice because the fly fisher. I don't. There's something cute about it. Like on in text, you'd be like. <laughs> Or something. We tried it. We tried it for one screening. I was like, oh, I hate that. Yeah. Like, it's way too on the head. And it's one thing to say for Lynn to say he's a fly fisherman, but why? Because he's a fly fisherman. And why is he drawn to it? And I thought the exchange with the kids was a better explanation yeah, of that. I completely so. agree. But the eerie, almost serial killer-like patience. Fly fishing is of, hard, man. Yeah. I mean, by the way, Bale, of course, being the actor, learned, it. learned how to do it. First time he goes out, catches a fish. Get which out. the instructor was like, that doesn't happen very often. Like, wow. Yeah, he actually got pretty darn good. Not, you know, the, the great ones are great. Yeah. But he got quite respectable. Do you have a fan in you? Like, uh, are you still excited to work with Christian? B- I know he was in the big, uh, big short. The big yeah, short. He, I, I almost I, said the big sick. Uh, that's a good movie. <laughs> that's a though. Good movie. Great you movie. Do that. I love directing the big sick. <laughs> It was you're hard. My, you're Michael it was hard. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. It, 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 what it is now, because obviously you're friends. Yeah, it's just being on set. There are times where you feel like I can't believe I'm five feet away from this. Yeah, and it doesn't mean I'm not giving notes. Doesn't mean I'm not having conversations. And the same with Amy Adams. Yeah, the same with Sam Rockwell. Corral, like the whole. You know, the other guy who blew me away was Tyler Perry. Was like, yeah, crazy good. Like. Yeah. But the bail moment of like when he does the monologue in the end, you just get goosebumps. Yeah. That's the fan part of it. And, no, I know. Uh, and I, you know, he's he's Manel Streep. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> Bail Streep, there's nothing better. I don't think we can beat it. And it wasn't very good. Christian. <laughs> Christian. 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 Marilyn. Marilyn. Belp. Christian Belp. It's terrible. Ah! I know you probably don't edit a lot. Edit that oh, out for no. sure. Because you know what that was? That was compassion. That was a real improviser. Oh, you joined me in the muck. Oh, That's your old school right I there. I couldn't believe you went into that area, but there's no way I didn't have your back, man. <laughs> We're going in. So you'd be five feet from the greatness. And yeah, you get goosebumps. Yeah. I mean, it happened a lot on this movie. I feel like it's one of the great performances. I try and separate myself because we made the movie. But even separating myself, the crew was saying it. Everyone was saying it. It's like one of the great performances ever. No, it ever. is. Like Christian Bale's... Regardless yeah. of what anyone thinks politically, thinks of the movie, all of that aside... Yeah, that's it's right. It's jaw-dropping. That's right. Yeah. And, and Amy Adams, too, is... Agreed. ...jaw-droppingly good and was nimble. Was it written, uh, Don't Call Me Lenny? She improvised that. Yeah. Because it's fucking great. Yeah. It's things like that where someone, it's almost mammity, where someone is responding to something three lines ago. It's the best. That I, as a writer, that's all I'm trying to do. It, it, the, the joy of, and then they respond. My, my scripts have a lot of readers in them. Like, I, I want it to be like, no, you know, parentheses, yes. in the way you say no that you're agreeing. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I just, yeah. I can't because I want people to do what she was doing. In well, that, that awkward, and that's also, once again, credit to my editor, Hank Corwin, uh, and he loves that kind of awkwardness. I yeah. mean, he goes towards it. Yeah. He looks for moments where the actors break that he can actually put in the movie. Yeah. There's a couple of them in the movie. Uh, oh, wait. I, oh, if you get these... Then that's downright eerie. Ah! I'm trying to think which one stayed in. Oh, there's a big one. There's a big one. There's kind of actually one that gets a giant response when he first meets 
or second time he meets with Bush. With the chicken? Uh, with the chicken. Remember when it cuts to him laughing? Is he? And then it cuts right back to him deadpan. That's Bale actually <laughs> breaking in the scene. Sam Rockwell made him laugh. No. And that's actually Bale just laughing. And that was my brilliant editor, Hank Corwin, was oh, like. Oh, Hank. Oh, my God. And your DP's incredible. And your editor, Oh, no, we Hank, had the A-team. There's no question. And Nick Bertel. I also, as someone who's eaten in scenes now, admired how much Sam was eating the chicken and how essential it was. That he was eating the chicken. We had to run and get that chicken. It was one of those stories of he's like, hey, can I get some chicken? And we're like, yes, you can. And we had to like, like speed in a car to go try and find chicken Good in chicken. the middle of nowhere that he could yeah. actually eat. Get the burn. And thank God we did because, <laughs> oh, my God. But you know, like the Danish. Now, I don't give a shit. It's my podcast. But the Danish, the sound of the Danish, you go, that's a White House Danish. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> We had a 20-minute conversation about Adam, the Adam, you made the movie for me. This is freaky. You uh, made Chris the sound Garibasio. of the That sounds like a craft service Danish. Chris I'm Gar- leaving. Chris Garabasio, our sound mixer, does Paul Thomas Anderson's movie, so you know he's, he yeah. does all his yeah. movies. You know he's the best. I thought of him when you said you like to scream. We had a 20-minute uh, conversation about the sound of that Danish. Well, when you said nobody cares about the sound of the Danish, you didn't see Pete Holmes coming. Because <laughs> I was like, they have to eat the best Danish we tweaked it four times. We tweaked yeah. the sound of that Danish. It's a great And it's sound. a key moment because he's fully in his power. That, That's that, right. I love that flash forward there is one of my yes. favorites. He can't be eating a baby's head and not hear the crunch oh, of the that skull. That is crazy God, that you caught that. That's the sound oh, of my the Danish. God. If we named our podcast, we'd call this the sound of the Danish. baby's head, too. I to know. Do a very dark. And we... At SNL, where I was a baby head vendor. No. Yeah, everyone would come through with Brian Stack. Uh, I know Brian Stack. I love Brian Wonderful. Stack. And uh, it was in our touring company, and they would come through and go, hot dogs, pretzels, peanuts. And I'd go, baby heads. Isn't that funny? And then the guy would come up to me and be like, what did you just say? <laughs> baby heads. They're fried. You know, and I would like, sell them baby heads. And, <laughs> and it was one of those ones you could do it like on certain nights this but is second like, city yeah, yeah and they were like but be careful with that one you'll clear a room but it's funny because that is clowns too is like that the jokes like that when i was a kid we used to tell dead baby jokes how yes. many dead babies in a dumpster it's very 80s 90s yeah and yeah it's a little animal house to be honest <laughs> you know it like is. in that it like is. way yeah but there's that darkness that's when i'm like kids i i'm not like a weirdo with kids but i notice when i talk with them some of my friends have you know six seven eight year olds they have an awareness of that stuff and oh, a need yeah. to salve it oh, more yeah. than you think. Because even though they're the farthest, I already said this, they're the farthest from death, but they're the closest to having not been here. Yeah. And I think they know. And they're, they're playing. <laughs> I mean, what you're doing when you're a kid is you're reeling the entire time, right? Yeah. You're trying to figure out what emotions am I allowed to put out there? Fucking a. Which ones am I not? Yep. When I can't, what am I going to do? Um, let me try biting someone. Oh, that doesn't work. That's right. Let me try smashing something. Oh, you know what I'm going to do? Throw snowballs at cars. That's right. Well, now you're 18. You can't do that anymore. Right. By the way, I would throw snowballs at cars right now if I could. It's I the love greatest that. thing ever. <laughs> and, uh, and so you're figuring out, and then you go, well, I'm going to eat a calzone. That's right. I'm going to watch uh, That's right. Porn. three episodes of uh, Sanford and Son. That's I'm right. Gonna, That's right. You know what I mean? And you. Uh, so what is available? Alcohol is available. Cigarettes are available. Cigarettes, These are uh, things. Unfortunately, smoked for 25 years yeah right. foolishly and so kids are closer to that root emotion they haven't that's right yeah they don't know their options uh, I, I was just talking to somebody about sexualizing your anger it's like why is it that Ooh, like sometimes you want to jerk yeah. off when you're angry 
And it's like, don't he? And he was like, don't do it. He's we're close enough that he can really tell what to do. He was just like, when you jerk off, he was like, let it be sexual, be uh, sexual in, be in your body. Huh. Don't just be like, like I, I think of uh, my father drinking or something. And I'm like, yeah. well, that's stupid. And I'm like, am I doing the same thing with pizza? You know what I'm saying? Like, you, uh, can we be big enough to go? Can I steer very dark right now for a second? Did you watch the Ted Bundy tapes on? No, because we we have a five month old, so don't I, watch. Them. I have this joke. Yeah, don't watch them. But I'm going to tell you one exchange from it, which is exactly what you're saying. Yeah, which is it will ruin it because the not detective watch. goes to see Ted Bundy's parents and the FBI guy, I think it is, and he has a tape of Bundy describing one of the murders, and he's like, "We have recordings of your son." Do you want to hear this? He doesn't force it on him. And they're like, yes. And they sit there and they listen to their son describe a murder. And then there's a beat and the mother just goes, so who wants apple pie and ice cream? And the, and the FBI agent goes, and we sat there and we ate apple pie and ice cream. And it's, it almost makes me want to cry. Yeah. It's like the Sufjan Stevens song about John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. You know, his mother cried in bed. Like yeah. when you see the humanity behind that and you see like, the kid who never found even smoking as an outlet, even right. punching a hole in a wall. Right, which is it, a great shot. Yeah. Oh, I know you oh, know what I'm talking God. about. That's, That's You know what that is? Elegant. Wow. Yeah. I love that shot, yeah, too. It's great. We try to get the exact right amount of blood on there. It's, we don't want to go too far. He cut his hand, but he yeah. didn't cut it too much. People listening, Janie's dorm room wall has a punch in it. And I'm like, this is that's the feeling of being a kid. Uh, I don't know why. My dad didn't punch walls or anything, but I remember being a little detective and going like, wait, what? You know, like yeah. trying to put together a narrative. Oh, you're always, I mean... I, it's it's you know Tree of Life. My editor cut Tree of Life. Fucking amazing. Well, that movie is the editing. That movie is into, yes. He yeah. made the movie. Then. He's an amazing editor. I mean, he is world class, like crazy brilliant. But Hank, anyway, this is Hank, cut Hank Tree of Life? Corwin, who did also did JFK, Natural Born Killers. Wow. He was Oliver Stone's guy for a while. Then he did Terrence Malick. He worked with him. Oh and, wow. Uh, he did Big Short and he did this one. Anyway, he's he's brilliant. But. The whole idea of like piecing together the emotional mystery of your parents and their parents. Can you get out of my face? And because you know that's I, it. <laughs> Here's what I found. It, a lot of it goes back to World War II. Is that right? Yeah, I really found there's even like pictures of like my grandparents up on the mantle I from World that. War II and both my grandfathers in World War II. And a lot of it goes back to that. Like they were different people when they came back. Yeah. And then there was a lot of like, how does the, how does the wife and the kids account for this? How do you yeah. deal with the distance? Slaughterhouses, Battlefield. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the war tends to be. You know, the kind of ripple of a lot of these mysteries. But well, that was a global traumatic event. If we're the therapist of Earth. Yes. That's a global tra- trauma. Do you have... We, uh, should, we should devote some time to that. We got to talk about that. <laughs> no, I don't mean us. I'm being the therapist. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but we, we should can. at least do two sessions on World War II. <laughs> I'd like to see you twice a week. <laughs> Let's just talk about Dresden. Can we just talk about Dresden? You're talking to the Earth. <laughs> I think we might want to do three sessions a week. <laughs> I love mystery of, like, our emotional history mystery is like yeah, yeah. heavy that's Speak, a good one speaking of oliver stone i'm just gonna let you and he had that 9-11 movie and this is kind of a stupid question and right. we can fast forward through it but i remember when i went to see this i was like i remember when 9-11 happened there was that guy the secretary of transportation norm Mineta. yeah Ooh, i was gonna 
tell you his name. <laughs> Gives the testimony of Cheney allowing the attack on the Pentagon from one perspective, you could say. Yeah. And I was like, your uh, movie sort of allows that that did happen, but you don't see it. Uh, it was. It, are, wait, are you talking about the shoot down order of the planes or are you talking about the Pentagon? Uh, well, there was the shoot down order for the planes and then there's the plane is coming for the Pentagon. Yes. And they're like, that's debatable. That one. We, we tried not to put anything in there that was seriously debatable. I see. And it's not. There are, there are Republicans who would tell you didn't order the shoot down of the plane. They're lying. Yeah. The time frame doesn't make sense. He had to have given it before he talked to Bush. So we knew that one was true. Right. The Mineta one was tricky. I mean, you're in the Mineta testimony. The guy references, there was a shoot down order. We think from the president. Yeah. He says, yeah. Oh no, they got busted on that. They got busted on (laughs) that. They were flat out lying. Yeah. I mean, there's about four times where they were like, Oh, like scooter Libby, and Cheney with the Valerie Plame. Oh, no, they're straight up lying. Right? Oh, really? There's no doubt. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's a meeting at this day, at this time, clearly where Cheney gave it. You can follow the spread of the rumor after it. Why would Scooter Libby take the order from anyone? Like, yeah. And even the lawyers of editor were like, oh, yeah, Scooter Libby got it from Cheney. <laughs> and then you'll hear people go, no, he didn't. It was, right. you know, it was Armitage. And you're right. like, no, it was, it was Cheney. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there were a bunch that were just like naked lies. But yeah. the Mineta one was a little tricky. I, the start... conspiracy people liked that because they thought that Cheney was letting 9-11 happen. Yeah, and I, don't, I didn't see any evidence of that. Yeah. I mean, it's... Well, I rewatched it when I was really I, – I went through a, a conspiracy period because 9-11 was so overwhelming. Yeah, of course. I really wanted to like look into everything. And, and I, I have some theories about 9-11 that, are, that are more psychological conspiracy theories. Oh, yeah. 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 Please share them. Yeah. I've, I've talked about these. on. People are always hesitant to do it, but we always, we, we've talked about like why the towers collapsed, and people always give me comments about this, and I understand that. But it was interesting to, to research. But that Mineta thing used to be used as, yes. as adv- evidence that Cheney – let it happen or something. So we keep recording. Someone's walking in the door right now. Hilarious. Who do we got here? <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was that was them shooting me twice. <laughs> that was not you. How are you? Hello. That's Morgan. That's uh, my wife's assistant. Hi, Morgan. Assistant to the family. Uh, what is, is your the, weird psychological? Uh, uh, so here's my psychological. By the way, the FBI just sent her into the store. Oh, that is so funny. <laughs> Three days of the condor just immediately. And then we see Morgan walk in. Of course. And suddenly she's on the run. They want Morgan. I was just an assistant. And, <laughs> and like Robert Redford somehow falls in love while being on the run. <laughs> you know, I love when they do that in movies. Like, you're going to be killed, yet you have time to meet a woman, yeah. develop a relationship, and yeah. fall in love. It's Jason Bourne. Yeah, it's Jason Bourne. Yeah. God bless him. Yeah. Although even in that movie, they, they kept it a little. No, he fell in love in the first one, didn't he? But that I buy because it was a trauma relationship. I, you know what? You're right. Because yeah. I kind of did buy it in that. Three Days of the Condor felt a little bit Less like, so? Yeah. I mean, she was beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But come on. Max von Sydow is trying to kill you. You're not like, hey, what's up? So what's your deal? I feel the same way about trauma and booze. Whenever Movies always show booze as the thing that you do when you're stressed yeah. or upset or need to make a huge decision. And I've never been like... My life's about to change. Let's get lit. Never. I've, ne- I've never seen that in movies. How about I always say to Val, I'm like, I wish booze was what it looks like it is in Mad Men, which is one of my favorite shows, which is something to celebrate, something when you're sad, something yeah. when you're stressed, something when you're just winding down, something when you're trying to pep up. I'm like, it's none of those things. And that's Bewitched. That's yes, like all the old shows that had a drink cart in the living room. That's right. My grandparents I wish used to, yeah. there was something that was that. Oh, I, I love the idea of drinking while you're writing. 
Exactly. Like, what a train wreck right. that would be. Right. Like, what a mistake. I would have like one beer, two beers, and I would like want to go to sleep. Of like, course. yeah. Well, there's one line in Mad Men where she says, I don't know how you drink like you do. I would be asleep all day. And I was like, that was them winking at the camera. Yeah. Like, we get it. We understand. I remember asking my grandfather, like, did you do the two martini lunch? Because he sold steel in Manhattan. Oh, wow. Sometimes we did three or four martinis. Wow. And I'm like, I said to him, because it was like, it was five years before he died. So I was grown up enough. He could talk to me straight. I'm like, I'm like, I would, I drink one martini. Yeah. You go to two. I'm bombed. I mean, I I want to say though, not to take away from this man's legacy his his steelid legacy, but they were smaller cups. Were they? You get a martini now and you're like, yeah. Oh, then look at look at the martinis in Sex in the City. Then look at the martinis in Mad Men. They were smaller. I didn't know that. That's good. They That's are. very good. They are. Uh, I think they still burned it down back in the day. For sure. <laughs> but, uh, but the whiskey that, was stronger. The vodka was stronger. That's very interesting. Last time I had a martini was the Green Mill in Chicago, like 20 uh, years Capone's ago. Place. That's how drunk it got me, the yeah. one martini. So I was no, like, oh. martini. I stopped drinking. I used to drink martinis in two gulps. Whoa! I do it with Manhattans. I'd call it Fast Manhattans. This is how I knew I had to stop drinking because it was what I would do at like rap parties and stuff. I'd be like, "We're doing Fast Manhattans." I'd get everybody in Manhattan and would drink it in two. Wow! And that's not what are you doing there? What I don't? I'm not sexualizing my whatever, but I'm <laughs> I'm boozifying it, and that wasn't great. Depend. You know what? This is actually sad on my part. I was about to say it depends how old you are because. 23, that sounds like a blast. Yeah, but I didn't get to do that because of the religion, so I did it later. I see. But now, but going back, I say this all the time. I'm like, it just, that's that's chasing a narrative that wasn't mine. The like, you're successful, so get fucked up isn't really, uh, it isn't a wise use of your joy. Oh, God, no. Right? No, no, no. Like, there's a better way that they, that the man doesn't want you to know about, which is, yeah, I mean, that cigarettes got me like that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I bought into the cigarettes when I. I was like 22 and you were once you get hooked on them they are hard to lose i like, believe that so um but psychological conspiracy yeah. theory 9-11 uh <laughs> they uh, we heard from clinton himself we were in new york and we were doing that bush show and we had lunch with clinton the will uh, ferrell's Fer- one man i'm sorry yeah ferrell did a one-man show as george yeah. w bush you're welcome america i directed it and and did some of the writing on it uh and uh he was amazing and it was a blast and it felt like taking a shower after those eight years. Amazing experience. But yeah. in the middle of it, we get a call. Clinton's up in Harlem. He wants to have lunch with you. We're like, yeah. Hell, I mean, oh, by the way, I'm not my. the biggest Clinton fan, but I was like. But you love the sax. I can't say <laughs> no to that. Yeah, yeah. I love the sax. <laughs> the sunglasses. I'm here as a sax fan. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to know right off the bat, I only want to you talk about You wear sunglasses jazz. and play sax. You are. <laughs> That's like that's like thrash. That's like black metal. That's that so is, dark and edgy. That is. That's upsetting to me. Like I get sweaty. Um, so we go have lunch. He tells us. He goes. I do the exit interview. It's tradition. You know, the outgoing president meets with the incoming president, and he said. He said. I looked him right in the eyes and I said, "Listen, I know that you are concerned about Saddam Hussein, but I'm telling you right now, we have him contained." And he is not a threat right now. No. You have to keep an eye Way. on this Osama bin Laden. He is determined to strike. He like used almost the exact same language. He is he's committed to striking America. I have the intelligence I've read. He is an immediate and real threat. And I said, oh, my God, what Your did he do? Your assistant walks in again. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to Max von Sydow painting toy soldiers. Um, 
And he says, and you know what he did? He rolled his eyes at me. And I was like, no, I mean, I'm sure if you're a Republican or a Bush supporter, you go, oh, it's Clinton. We're having lunch with him. It's the three of us and like an assistant at the end of the table. Like, I believed him. Like, oh, my Jesus. And, if ever I know later it. that Richard Clark, the counterterrorism guy, was in the White House trying to get meetings with him and they were blowing him off. Like, and we know that they sent that intelligence down to Texas. They had a CIA guy, I think CIA or FBI, hand deliver it to the president saying, this is a big deal. This guy's going to attack us. And the president said to him, you covered your ass. Now go back to D.C. So I think... What? Oh, that's a true story. And so psychological conspiracy is... I just became a journalist. I feel like I have to (laughs) ask the right questions Uh, here. You you blind yourself to this looming threat because you kind of want the 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 teacups to topple. Well, you want you want a problem to happen because deep down inside you know that's when your power activates. Well, isn't that what Cheney is all about? Exactly, that's unitary executive theory. Right, it's like when that really. And what does he say about war? He's just like war is your war belongs to the war belongs to you. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. you get to do it. That's the superhero. War is yours. That's yeah. put on the cape and count. Oh, yeah, go man. get it. And don't let the UN have it. God, fucking Bale scares me like seven times in that movie, and that's oh, one of them. That is, no, you're absolutely War right. It belongs to you. Oh, it's very, very scary. Yeah. It's, 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 it's uh, lighting the fuse of the ego. Yeah. It's like, this is about you, that's and it's not it. about your dad. And the ego and is you're all the about now. pain avoidance. It's like safety. Yes. Power. That's why power is an addiction. And, and one of the other things we talked about was like, people don't talk about power the same way they used to. It used to be when I was a kid, they would be like, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. And you have to have checks and balances. And uh, that seems to have gone away. It's almost viewed as naive oh, yeah. or childish Our, to talk about power being an addictive, corruptive force. Nobody writing Lord of the Rings now. Exactly, yeah. My doctor, oh God, I wish I could name That's a great, him. yeah. Oh, what's that? Lord, Lord of the, the Rings, Rings is a great reference because yeah. that ties into, that's uh, C.S. Lewis, which ties, I'm sorry, he was friends with C.S. Lewis, yeah. which ties into all the Jungian stuff, yeah. which ties into the mythology. That's right. That's like that era. That's right. Aldous Huxley. That's and, a good sandwich. Yeah, that, that is, is a good really sandwich. good sandwich. How'd they keep the lettuce so crisp Oh, my sandwich? God. That gets like your chips greasy. So yeah. You your chips. The bird and the baby. Have yeah. you been there? That's the bar they used to drink at. It's in Oxford. Oh, no, yeah. really? Yeah. I'm I a went huge there Aldous Huxley fan. Oh, oh my, my God. Yes. Fun. St- uh, what was I going to uh, say? You were, I, I, oh, power. My doctor... Like the fuse of the ego, safety, protection. He said, he was like, you know, when I was a kid, Star Wars, everybody wore Luke Skywalker t-shirts. And now they all wear Darth Vader Stormtrooper t-shirts. Wow. And I was like, fuck my dickhole. That is it. Wow. You know what I mean? Well, do you know the You're quote? You're a schmuck. I mean, you might see the symbol of the rebellion from time to time. You still see it. But you see a lot of Stormtrooper stuff. Did you hear the quote from Steve Bannon? Have you ever read that? Mm-mm. He goes, real. This is actual Steve Bannon, you know, the guy who some thought was going to be Trump's Cheney mm-hmm. until, thank God, Trump didn't have a healthy enough ego to have a Cheney. Yeah. So he had to boot him out. <laughs> but Bannon's still out there working. He's over in Europe now. And mm-hmm. his quote was, I can't remember. I'm going to paraphrase it here. It's like, you look at the devil, you look at Darth Vader, you look at Dick Cheney, that's real power. Give me that kind of power. And we, once again, considered opening the movie with that, but it was too on the head. We like wow. tried it one day and we're like, that feels too on the head. So it we took is. it out. But it is crazy that Steve Bannon said that in reference yes. to Dick Cheney. Yeah. And Darth Vader, Dick Cheney, the devil. Well, yeah. the idea of curbing your ego and, and getting rid of power or, or being wise enough to realize that we need to share it or 
you know, that, that's what the American political system is supposed to be. Exactly. And, you know, interesting, the documentarian Adam Curtis I got to speak with when I was over in England, and he, he raised a great point. He's like, the left is afraid of its own power. The left is afraid of movement politics. Mm. A lot of the people on the left or the moderate left view like Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, as like danger like it's a movement it's mm. power of the people and there's a lot of the left that doesn't want power of the people right, right. they associate that with like mao and like communism mm-hmm. and bernie sanders gets lumped into that right a right. little bit of elizabeth warren not as much too much change yeah and he was talking about that he's like the right wing has no problem with their power i understand that yeah what do you think i i'm not a very i hate saying this because it's not cool anymore it used to be cool to go i'm not very political it's not cool anymore but, uh, I don't know. I mean, I always say I hate politics, but okay. I'm, I'm interested in government. You uh, know, they, they, I think politics have been sold to us in a certain way that is boring and bullshit. Right. But I think government and the throne, like, yeah, I always say we're not talking about politics. We're talking about the throne. I mean, yeah. that's what we're talking about. That changes our lives. Yeah. yeah. And like the, you know, the people who wrote the Constitution were screwed up and they were slave owners, but they knew enough to do checks and balances and try and put the people in right. the throne. Well, that was my theory. Is And I wonder what you think about this. So it is a question. I, as I get older, I see the value of, of both. Meaning, I think the system wouldn't be perfect if we were all Democrat, nor would it be perfect if we were all Republican. The beauty of it, I suppose, is in the tension, is in the middle space. So even when you Normally, see... Normally. It, it should be, I suppose. Yeah, there's I, no... Tension in the middle right now. It's all to the right. I mean, right. And that's, com- and that's a perversion of what's what I'm saying is we have head and heart, for lack of a better term. Yeah. And, and the left can sometimes have what Rory Scovel has this great joke about when you're tra- uh, in a stop and go traffic and um, and the Republican is the person in the third to leftmost lane who cuts in front. Oh, it's, it's when they're closing a lane. Yes, yes. And and some people get over right away. And the, and that's what you're supposed to do. And then the asshole stays in the left until the very end and yes. acts like he didn't know that the lane was closing so he can cut oh, in. Oh, that's fantastic. And, he, and that's a Republican. And he goes, but the liberal is the one who lets him in. Yes, yes. <laughs> and that's the left having no power. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So when I – and this I helps used to me. Make, can I give you my please? metaphor for the Republican Party? I used to say – the Republican Party, and I don't know if this holds anymore because it's gotten much darker, but it used to be when you we were a kid and you saw Rocky Three and you left the movie theater and kind of wanted to get in a fight, even That's though you hilarious. weren't good at fighting. That's the Republican Party. <laughs> <laughs> That's even better. Like, please, someone take a swing at me right now. And then like two days later, like, I'm not even that good at fighting. Why did I want that to happen? Yeah. But can't, I, I, so anyway, keep going. But I'm all, No, no, I, I want to put it to you. It's like, it's almost like, Republicans are surgery, and sometimes Democrats can feel like homeopathic medicine. Yeah, I think that's certainly what's been put out there. I mean, that's a talking point, emotional. Right. Well, correct kinda, me because I'm not an expert and I won't be. Yeah. I'm not sensitive. I can't well, the defend left that. Also, it's so complicated, too. There's so many sides to the left. There's the progressive left, which is movement politics, which is Bernie Sanders, right. Elizabeth Warren, AOC. 1% to the 1%. Exactly. And that side is real power to the people yeah then there's the corporate dems who are more like you know uh what debbie stabenow chuck schumer uh that the uh, diane feinstein there's that side which they would have really been republicans in the 70s and the 80s oh, they really like republicans so it's so complicated then you go to the right wing the right wing used to have 
kind of the fringe right wing and then it had the more moderate right wing like i guess you kind of say like mitt romney type thing but now the right wing as we know has mostly become very very extremist almost across the board right and and then the moderate dems have become more right wing and then there's this little like kind of progressive movement so it's very complicated so the homeopathic side is kind of the person who still listens to NPR mm-hmm. and is kind of like a corporate dem, but thinks they're a liberal, but really isn't backing any people's movement. And that can feel really powerless. I, I know see. that vibe. But what I'm saying, I guess it goes to the dad mom thing, too. Uh, Cheney being this perversion of dad energy. Like, yeah, I got the gun and I go downstairs. Can you get in touch with the part of you that's like, there is an appropriate way to have the dad that goes downstairs oh, with the gun? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I yeah. used to always say I'm against the death penalty with the head because I know it doesn't work. With the head? Uh, uh, with, with my head. Oh, yeah. I, I use my head to be against the death penalty because it doesn't work. It doesn't work as a deterrent. They put innocent people to death. There's no way to be certain about it. It actually costs way more money. There's cruel and unusual punishment. With my heart, I if anyone hurt one of my loved ones, I'm waiting on the you know courthouse steps to take them out. Like, mm. and by the way, if I did that, I would expect to go to jail. I would say like, no, no, put me in jail. I just killed that guy who hurt my family. Like I was Charles Bronson. Right, right. Put me in jail. So you mean I mean like Christian both... Bale in Batman Begins, trying oh to kill right. Thomas just... Chill. Wait a minute, my parents were killed in a back alley. Oh wait a minute, no, that's Batman. That's... I get confused. <laughs> But he learns that there's another way, Adam. You didn't learn the message ah, of Batman Begins. You're right, you're right. Get bail on speaker. I think, I think what we've lost is just the constructive dialogue, the thing of like there are problems we can solve. Forget right, left. I think it's just like, come on. Let's rebuild our bridges and roads. Let's like have universal health care. Every other country has it. This is nonsense. Don't have machine guns legal. Like All that stuff that's like, if you really even talk to a Republican, they'll even go, yeah, I agree with that. Mm. Like... That stuff. And then the big one, of course, now is global warming. I mean, that's going to be bigger than everything. And like, right. just start the conversion. Like, we know it's happening. The science is well, the, the The solar panels in your movie are... I, that's when you... Isn't it funny that you have all the stats about murder and stuff? But it's the, the solar panels coming out that really kind of help me go like, are these guys the dark side? You know what I mean? I think they, I mean... They might be. They got some of it going on, man. I mean, look what's happened. My answer to people who were like, why is it so against the Republican Party? I'm like, look around. Like, it's Donald Trump. I mean, look what they're doing. That party has taken a wrong turn. It doesn't mean the people who vote for them are evil. I mean, I have family members who are Republicans. They have a really good message, but the party itself has really become acidic. But man, that solar panel thing, that yeah. makes my gut hurt. And you know, Me I'm too. sure you looked it up. It's 100% true. You know, I, I believed it yeah. was true. But then when Rumsfeld at the beginning bangs the mic and is so funny and he goes, I'm what he is, I understand that. 100%. When I, was, I went to Christian college, and this will veer nicely, especially in respect for your time when we talk about religion at the end, so this will veer nicely. I went to Christian college, a lot of Republicans, and I remember meeting my first like really adamant Republican and just being like completely transfixed by him. Yeah. And also like noticing that he was sort of full of shit, but like I, he was so passionate about what he was full of shit about. He stayed up all night. We were in Israel. I was studying in Jerusalem. He stayed up all night to watch the Bush election. I was like flipping out and praying about it and all this stuff. I remember Michael J. Fox on family ties who the, that's right. Yeah. The cool became the most popular character in America 
in a way the writers never intended. That's right. He was and supposed to be a joke. He was supposed to be a joke, and suddenly everyone was 100% with him. Right. And that's when, because I remember Reagan getting elected and all the cowboy imagery. And I remember people in America, I remember hearing China calling America paper tiger when I was like in third grade or second grade. Mm. And I remember the post-Vietnam hangover. And it was kind of a bummer. And I remember the Iranians taking, those students taking the hostages. And people felt kind of crappy to be Americans after Vietnam. My answer to that now would be maybe we should have felt crappy for a little while and let that feeling pass through us. But instead, America went, I want cowboy hat, I want actor. And from then on, it was like... I'm so glad you mentioned that because the use of the rifleman, right? Oh, Cheney is God. Cheney is the rifleman. Right, now I'm taking you to dinner with our <laughs> editor and composer and producers. Cause, I'll be there yeah. uh, any day. You, so everything in the movie is so clearly purposeful. Yeah. Like The Shining. Yes. So the kid is watching The Rifleman, which is the most phallic rifle I've ever seen. Uh, that it almost seems inappropriate that a little girl is watching. That we laughed. We were the only people in the theater. Every time we would test it, we would laugh so hard. It's a huge It's dick. demented. It's, it's demented. demented. The angle on it. The Rifleman. And, his, and then just right in his crotch well, firing. And the whole, by the way, the whole premise of the show was, all right, I have this great idea for a show. It's a guy, right? And he's got a family, but he's got a rifle. That was, that was <laughs> so when, like in the eighties. There were mo- horror movies where it was just he has a motorcycle. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, Time Rider. Do you is that what Time it Rider? is? Time Rider was a thing about a guy who went back into history, time traveled. He had a motorbike. But to the eighteen seventies, when they had almost invented motorbikes, and he had a motorbike. Oh so literally, God. the motorbike was like six years away. But the guy has a motorcycle, and we're like, like yeah, I think I heard about one of those. It. Like, I love it. I'm working on that. Yeah. Like, we're I'm going to time travel back to the 90s with my car. Hilarious. Yeah, like, that is so fun. With my the, electric car. The Rifleman, though, definitely. That was that's very Chaney. intentional. Yes. That's Cheney. That's I'm going to shoot. But phallic. we like it. And, and talk about cigarettes. That's a story. It's a mythology that we were sold. 100%. At a, at a young age. Including me. Yeah. Me, too. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's why when I left your movie the first time, I was like, Dad? You know what I mean? I mean, because I like the rifleman. Yeah. I, uh, by the way, I do too. Yeah. And I like, I of course want a strong hand at right. the wheel. But right. then, you know, you look at the, what that strong hand did and the profits it made off of it for his old company. I and no, isn't it weird? We got scanned. You it's know? like our dads, though. It's as complicated as our, as our yes, own dads. Yes, absolutely. We go like, my dad was this and this and this, but he also did this and this. That's as complicated. What you as want this. is you just want the dad who's has traffic anger to take a breath. That's all you're asking for. That's like right. Cheney never took a breath. Yeah. Cheney just went that fucking and like rammed the guy's car and Go then drove yourself. off a bridge. Like, Go fuck yourself. Just if you can just, <laughs> all we're asking for is like, take a little bit of like, yeah. I would say, you know, sometimes like the technocrats or they I'm not technocrat. That's not the right word, but, but real bureaucrats take too way too many breaths and it gets frustrating, but it's that. That's com- right. That's right. It's that combination of the heart and the head. That's right. Like one I breath. Sh- can we get one breath? Can we just get one breath? Middle way. And like Bill Clinton, when he went into uh, the Serbia and Croatia, that with Milosevic, I supported that. Like, yeah. I'm not a pacifist guy. Like, Milosevic right. was committing genocide. We went in there. We didn't lose a lot of soldiers. I know people were hurt and killed. You never take it lightly. But it worked. They yeah. took Milosevic out. They saved lives. Like, war can be used in that way. Right. And I thought that was a good combo of heart and head, even though I don't like what I hear did that. with the economy. You know, <laughs> uh, What did he eat when you went? Did he eat some funny thing? He ate uh, Chipotle. 
huge Chipotle burrito and a milkshake. Uh, he had a salad. He had a salad because he's post heart attack and he's very trim now and very healthy. And he had a very spare little salad and he commented on it too. Had he seen the show? Uh, he had seen, had not seen the show, but he's a giant, this is actually true, giant anchorman Talladega Nights fan because we had just worked with Mary Steenburgen, but it was very apparent he didn't mention Step Brothers. So we were like, I don't think he likes Step Brothers, but he loved Talladega Nights and Anchorman. He's a big comedy fan. Wow. Oh, I also uh, love those, but Step Brothers, come on. Well, Step Brothers, though, has a few more power chords in it. It did lose, like, my mom afterwards was like, I didn't like that. What and, do you mean? Like, like the balls? Well, then fighting each other in the lawn. <laughs> I mean, the I language, mean, the it's like, too it's good. just a little more absurd. And a we're little... back to it. You know what it helps me is the cheese on the chips in the microwave. And you oh. go, it's the leanest character description there's ever been. <laughs> It's and me. you go, and yeah, but you all, it's also me. <laughs> it's, and I go, I I remember thinking that was nachos too. And yeah, then I grew up, and yeah. I was like, oh, they're doing more. But he's it so makes me good. happy even seeing it. I'm yes. like, oh, he's about to have a good hour and a half. Oh my god! And the, the other one is dad. You got to give me more money so to buy pizza. Like just yeah. all that stuff was Riley Farrell and I just channeling not necessarily our childhoods, but like when we were 19, yeah. you know, like that feeling. Oh God, I love The craziest it. was the end of the movie when we screened it. There were stories of people actually tearing up at the... Oh, Adam you know what Scott? part I find very moving? Is when he goes, that's, I, I want to get the line right, but it, he's like, that's funny. That's, that's a truly funny observation at the, at the Catalina yeah, Wine Mixer when they're being sad. grown Because you're talking about when we're kids, right? And we don't know how to sedate our emotions with the culturally appropriate sedation tool. That's it. So they're honest people. I'm going to get Jesus here. This is very impressive, by the way, that you just linked back <laughs> to children processing emotions <laughs> without destroying them, connected it to stepbrothers from the Which beginning. Which I promised I would. There, as I'm sitting down, what you started this with because of the drum set behind us, and you've linked it, and then you told me in the beginning you're going to end with religion, and you're about to... This is... I'm just sitting back. <laughs> well, Jesus says one of my favorite... I don't even know the verse, but it's, it's in the Gospels. He says, lest ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of, of God. Wow. And I'm like, you know why I love that verse? That verse is everything. That's because how could everything. it be about what you believe? How could it be a system of beliefs or something that you understand theologically when Jesus is saying you need to be like kids? And what are kids? They're free. Wow. Right? So in that moment, Will is learning, and so is John, learning to be grown-ups, which is a, a little death. And, it, and it's making me emotional talking about it. And what they end up finally learning is that becoming a grown-up isn't about killing yourself. It's about being confident with your freedom. That's right. That you don't need and, – and really that whole movie, even though it's very silly, we were talking about that stuff. When we That's were right. Doing, yeah. And in the end – would, Nobody would give a shit if you weren't. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what, whenever I pitch something or what, with Judd, he's always telling me to be – and he's right, less philosophical, because all I want to do is talk about how movies are... Christmas Story, kid wants a rifle. He wants, a, he wants an erection. Yeah, he wants a, a big dad. Without dip. a doubt. And, and the, the dad with the leg... Lamp. It's, it's the most Freudian movie I've ever seen. You know what's seen. fun? Have you done press in France? No. Would they all love it? All they do is talk <laughs> like this. 
my whole conference. I got to do Cajeras uh, de Cinema, you know, the famous film journal, which I'm probably <laughs> saying incorrectly. But um, all they do is talk about they wanted to talk about my comedies and the symbolism. That's all they wanted well, to talk I... about. And then they would come in and it was the only place because Vice was like people either like loved it or hated it. So you'd have people go, oh, I loved it. But the French would come in and go, you have made a masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, thank you for making this film. Now, can we please talk about Step Brothers? Oh, <laughs> my God. You got to do press in France. That's because, where I'm made to do press. Oh, it was so much fun. We had the best time. We and joke that Jed will kick me under the table because I'm talking about... Uh, this is how I want... I, I, when I watch John Wick... I'm like, this is about Buddhism. Yeah. That's what, it's about loss of attachment and becoming powerful. Well, we, Farrell and I, with the comedies, always buried that stuff in the middle of our movies. We always yeah. had that as the yeah. central drive. I would say... Why to, would you care if it wasn't? Exactly. I would say to Farrell, I'd go pretend this is an art movie. We made... Anchorman is based off of Umbrellas of Cherbourg. That was the movie that I, I looked at for the look of it and the vibe of it. Like okay. we always used an art film as a like kind of sister or brother to the movie we were doing. So we would always compare it to something. And so we would have these philosophical <laughs> discussions. And then I would tell Farrell, now don't tell anyone this is what's That's inside right. the movie. That's right. I was going to tell you off the Jesus thing in my office over at Gary Sanchez, one of my favorite pictures, and I've had it for almost 30 years. I got it at a yard sale back in 92. Hmm. So is that almost 30 years? Yeah. In Chicago when I was there for Upright Citizen Brigade and all that stuff. Uh, it's a uh, hand-drawn picture of Jesus just laughing hard. I know that picture. You know it? Yeah. yeah. It was in my youth pastor's office. Oh, my God. And he used to say, you never think of Jesus laughing. And I was like, you're right. Of course he's laughing. He gets the joke. And I had that, and I have Martin Luther King's mugshot, are the two. Great mugshot. Two big pictures I have in my office. A lot of info in that face. Both bend your mind in such an interesting way. That, but, uh, fuck Sinatra's, I'm, the world is mine. Yeah. Mugshot. Give me Martin Luther King's. Ooh. He, it's almost like eerie that he knows you're looking at it in 2019. The nobility, the yeah. like, the sense of dignity. That's right. Is it the most dignified but badass, like hurt but powerful? It's it's incredible. Have you noticed like the difference between dignity and respect is a big one? Like people that fly off the handle and get angry too much always talk about I'm not being respected. But respect is something you can't control, right? Dignity is inside you. Dignity is yours. Oh, wow. And you could see in that mugshot. Isn't like, that Martin Luther King in a nutshell? It's like what, what you can control is this. Yeah. Like you can't really control what they're doing, but we can control how we react. It's I amazing. mean, that's a very I mean, that's, next level. That's Buddhist. That's Christianity. That's, that's right. That's, ever, that's Eckhart Tolle. That's, right. That's a good mythology. That's nutsacks on a drum set. That's... <laughs> John C. Riley's character should have said, I can't control this and gone downstairs and taken a deep breath. And I, I'm dying one day, by the way, to make a movie where nothing happens, where everything's just cool. I'm that, dying to make like an hour, 55 minute movie. That's just like, you know, what's funny is Paddleton is, is it's not a spoiler. It's about a guy dying and almost nothing happens. Really? Yeah. All it's right. a, it's a, it's, it's in the best way. It's one of the most elegant movies I've seen. Um, and you think, Oh, they're setting up. This is not going to ruin it. I think it'll make you like it more. Maybe you think they're setting up a symbol that they're going to do something with, and then they don't. And it's almost like that's the point. Is it's wow. it's like the straightest arrow. I can't wait to see it. It's, I'm excited. It's, it's it's devastating. Mike Leeds sometimes with his movies gets close to that. I Mike Mike Leeds, you know, the British filmmaker. He does these movies where it's just 
characters kind of behaving. There's not that three act traditional rise fall story, or there's only a semblance of it. Like yeah. life is sweet. Yeah. Or um, there's a couple <laughs> others. Emily Watson. Uh, anyway, he, he, check out Mike Lee's. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's possible. Yeah. So we're talking um, uh, Jesus E and all that. Let me look at this. This is just to make sure I'm not missing anything on 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 Vice or anything, and then we're going to get into God. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. Fallen order, how he eats, nine eleven, the rifleman. What do we believe? Save the cat. Motivation. Style shots. Oh, I, I had the question. You know, you have the bird and the heart monitor. Oh yeah. See, because I've made uh, uh, not a lot of TV, but from my experience, my subjective experience, twenty four hours of TV is is a lot. That is a lot. Of TV. Um, I'm like. I know how not it's such a quick shot, the bird and the heart monitor. And then I'm like, well, that's stylized and that's lit and that's deliberate and it's time and it's money. Yeah. I was like, did you shoot anything like that that you cut? Oh my God. I can't believe you caught that. (laughs) So there was a line in the bar when he was drunk in the beginning of the movie where the old guy who says, give that son of a bitch a shot of whiskey, that poor son of a bitch. He is talking about the old guy is talking about his wife dying and he tells young Channy, your heart's like a cuckoo clock. It's only got so many ticks before that old cuckoo comes out. And you and, kept the bird. Like, and the we, line. it was just, people weren't connecting it to the dialogue, but we liked the bird. And in a weird way, it almost kind of played without it. Like, it does. yeah. And, but it was seated. It was always supposed to be a reference that came back. But like you said, this movie, just the true story was so, there's so many symbols That's right. we actually had to get some out of it. Like we're I like, get it. rid of the cuckoo clock, get rid of, so there were a few like that, that we cut. I mean, the biggest thing that we took out and when they release it, I think it's in April, they'll do the DVD, Blu-ray, iTunes, all that kind of stuff was we had a whole thing with their young love story of how young Lynn kind of picked Dick Cheney that was just, Uh, oh, my God, some of the most beautiful footage you've ever seen. Tremendous acting. The score was incredible. No, we did younger people, and that's what got us into trouble. The audience was like, wait a minute. I drove out here. Bad enough, you got me to come see a movie about a vice president. Now I don't even get to see Christian Bale and Amy Adams wow. for 10 minutes, you know? Yeah. And the audience just, we lost That's them. an abuse of power. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Forget Janie. Finally, I was <laughs> like, kidding. all right, we'll take it out. I mean, I kept it in there for months and months. Yeah. And uh, so yeah. that was a big one. And there were symbols in that that would get called back later. There was an oil pump. Uh, that we would use that was kind of like his heart. And it was also uh, about obviously straight up oil and power. Yeah. And we kept referencing that and the sound of that. And I'm actually glad we got that out of there. Cause it was like that in the cuckoo clock. We got the tree, uh, very, tree, very the, moving. the heart, you mean on the yeah, tree? The yeah. The tree. Mm-hmm. Which I always looked at as his heart. I'm not sure that's a separate. So well, I guess it is. Yeah. You have the heart, you have the fishing, I mean, those are the two big ones, or the heart and the fishing. I was looked the at credit, I'm sure you've gotten this compliment before, but the credits rolling. That's, oh, that's, that's why you favorite. have to see it in the that's theater. That's my favorite. That's and it rolls. Favorite. You know, I'm a comedian, so I, I, I pride my sense of timing. It, rhyme, it rolls for the exact, to the frame, exactly how long it should roll. God bless you. And when you're reading them and you know they're real, yep. it just... People walked out. I've heard stories. People getting up and leaving a little baffled. I've heard stories of people getting up to leave and then stopping in the aisle and then standing in their position in the aisle for like 10 minutes watching the movie. Uh, But there's been a fair amount of people just straight up leaving the theater at that point. But the the jokes, 
it, the, the, the card jokes. They don't entirely know those are jokes. <laughs> I mean, think of the audience we're pulling in for this movie. Like, yeah, yeah. it's a lot of it doesn't intersect with comedy. And right. when we say he ran the Iron Man competitions, I remember some screenings where I didn't get a laugh. <laughs> and I'm like, I would lean over and go like, do they think this is he really runs Iron Man competitions? <laughs> but then you also realize there's young people in the crowd who don't know. Yeah, there's people sure. that have lost track. And then they're like, I remember one person saying like, yeah, I was wondering, like, oh, I guess they just chose to do a movie about Dick Cheney's younger years. I'm like, <laughs> oh, that is so good. Oh, it's so good. I, that's rich. Yeah. Do you think he's seen it? He has to, right? I don't think he's seen it. No. no? I think he's he's. I think he would be cool with it if he saw it for the most part. I don't yeah. think he'd like the last five minutes, the stuff about the daughter. I think Lynn would right. freak out about. Yeah. Um, I think the last five to ten minutes. I think everything up. You mean the moment where he gives the okay? Yeah, yeah. Well, which, which had which had to have happened. Well, they wrote a letter of support for Liz two days later, so we don't know if he actually nodded, but they wrote a letter supporting Liz. That's another scary moment. Yeah, that's another one of those. Well, that's the one where I saw people crying, and like Christian Bale's wife was really shook up, just like they oh, betrayed boy. the daughter. Like, yeah, like okay, they invaded a country, killed a million people, they tore. They betrayed the daughter. It was the yeah. one thing about him. And when I researched his life, f- I kept coming back to that. It's the one thing about him. Everyone says he was a great dad. He was yeah. there for his daughters. Yeah. And how could he abide by this when this happened? You know what? I'm not proud of this, but I, I like sharing thoughts that I'm not, or feelings that I'm not proud of because we all have them. Yeah. The first time I watched it, it cuts to the, the gay daughter is named uh, Mary. So Mary, it cuts to Mary. Allison, Wonderful actress. Allison Bill. Yeah. Incredible. Oh, my God. Also very funny, by the way. Oh, I know. Yeah. I, I've, I've met her and, and I'm very taken with her and everything she does. When she's crying yeah. and her wife is comforting her, the first time I saw it, I was like, what do you expect? I had that. I don't know why, but I was it's like, crazy. your dad's a vampire. Yeah. And you thought. But the second and third, I was like, I was kind of surprised that I felt that way the first time. It's only because he supported her so nakedly the first time. You see it. Yeah. In the research. And then when I was reading about it, I was like, why would he do it? You don't need to do this. There's no need. She wasn't even going to win the race. It was a good. They're like, you could have just waited. But like, and there's a story of like Lynn telling Alan Simpson to shut up at some party and. Like, because Alan Simpson was like, "Why are you going against Enzi? What are you doing?" And oh they're like, "You god. shut your mouth!" And then oh later they're like, "My god, did, did Lynn? Did you say that? I did not." And Simpson was like, "Yeah, yeah, she did. She said it right to my face in front of twenty people." And like, wow. it was just like they kind of gone berserk at that point. Like, it, it's irrational. It's the ring yeah. of power, and and you can't be trusted with it. Hundred uh, percent. Do you think W saw it? God, he may hate it more than anyone. I mean, he, he, the interpretation of him is just so negative. Uh, and once again, through all our research, that's what I found. That's what it was. I mean, I talked to journalists who covered it. We're like, yeah, he was pretty bad. He's pretty ill-prepared. Yeah. I mean, you know, the last couple of years, he kind of woke up to what Cheney was doing. Yeah. But, I mean, the guy really didn't know how it was done. Like, he had yeah. no experience. And Cheney ran circles around him. When I knew we were okay on that was when uh, Bush's dad said, I regret recommending Cheney to my son because I didn't know Cheney was going to run a shadow empire out of the White House. Those are his dad's exact words. And when I heard that, I was like, we're good. Like for his dad to say that, even though I'd been hearing it from other people and done the research, when I was like, okay. So I'm assuming W won't 
watch it or like it. But right. um, you know who might watch it is Mary might watch it, the daughter. Oh, yeah. And might be the one who would watch it. And yeah. maybe when it goes on TV, you know how when you just flip through channels? It's on a plane. One of them's going to just like Lynn's going to stand at the TV and watch 10 minutes of it. Like, yeah. that's going to happen. Yeah. And you might hear a little explosion when that happens. Like, <laughs> there might be, like, some rumblings that Lynn Cheney wants to sue Adam McKay or something. Yeah. Like, there might be some weird... Right. Uh, but Mary's the one I'm curious about. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's kind of the soul of that story. In yeah, she is. She is. So let's talk about uh, Sweet G's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, were, you were raised religious. My sixth grade, I think it was, my mom became a big born-again Christian. Uh, what my, happened? My parents were kind of hippie. I almost call them more hipsters. The vineyard? Uh, they were. My dad was a musician. Uh-huh. So there's like a photo of my dad with long sideburns and my mom in a leopard skin coat, fake, of course, with like long, straight blonde hair and big circular glasses. They were yeah. like... In the Muppet band. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. And they were cool. They were yeah. definitely cool. And they got married when they were like 18 and 19. And then they split for a while. And my mom was like a single mom. She was like a waitress. And we were living, we lived in Worcester, Massachusetts for a while. It was a pretty tough town. I'm from Lexington. Are you serious? Yeah, oh, I didn't wow. Know. I didn't know that. Six, five. Wow. Comedy. I lived in Chicago. It's getting a little crazy. Christian O'Brien. Understand your movies. Wow. <laughs> Freakishly understand the movie, um, and uh, and then uh, yeah, fifth, sixth grade. We were you know we were poor. We were like living in a crappy little house in Worcester, uh, Worcester. And then we moved to outside Philadelphia. My mom was like, "If we're going to be broke, let's move to a better town." Because uh, yeah. Worcester was tough back then. No offense to Worcester yeah. now, but um, Gary Goldman has this great joke where he's talking about bullying. He's from Boston. He was like, "I used to get bullied for drinking Sprite." <laughs> It was like it was considered a weak beverage because it didn't. Oh, you can't handle caffeine. And I was like, that's the most Boston joke I've ever heard in my life. So good. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. You can't handle one of the dark beverages. Oh, I had to get in a fight like first day of school when you go in. He's like, all right, you got to fight someone. I mean, that's the way (laughs) stuff just ran that way. And uh, so we moved to this little scraggly town outside Philly called Malvern, which is now really fancy, but back then was more scraggly. And we lived in a little split duplex and my mom was a waitress and uh you know we would get the free presents from the church every christmas and uh yeah but it was nice i never felt like things what brand of christianity was it so then she had oh we're not there yet so she had a friend at work when we were living in malvern things were tough who was like you know you seem to be having a hard time will you pray with me and they she was like what are you talking about and the fr- I can't remember who the friend was, but um, and was like something of Nazareth, Sean <laughs> <laughs> of Nazareth, um, and they prayed, and she later told me it was like a light went on in her heart, really, and it definitely opened up a part of her, you know, wow. and she became more aware of it. So she then just a hundred percent went into it. Like we would start going to church every Sunday. She was doing like, I remember after about a year going to services where they'd be praying in tongues. Oh, I went to a faith healer one once or twice. Was it Pentecostal? It was everything. She took us to a Mennonite church for a while. We went to an Episcopal. She was just going to all, but then there was one called the Abbey that was right around. And that was more like, 
the guy with the guitar and the hands raised. I, I didn't care at all. I just was so pissed I was missing the NFL. Ah. And was just like, I would go on bathroom breaks that would last 20 minutes. and <laughs> Save your poops for church. Exactly. Oh, yeah, and the that's... one thing I knew was my mom was happier. And she was. Yeah. And things were a little better. Like, she went back to college. She got her degree. She got a decent job. And after a while, I didn't even mind the church on Sunday. I remember really liking the Mennonite one because they would just play music the whole time. And then the guy would do a sermon and then we'd go downstairs and eat incredible food. And I was like, I was like, this Jesus thing is not bad. Not so, so bad. Yeah. Loaves and fishes. And then I went to college. And then after I went to college, my mom remarried and then started tacking towards the right. They started watching Fox News, and now they're super right-wing Christians. God bless them. Still love them. Oh, wow. But pretty hardcore, like Trump supporters. Wow. And now it's much trickier. Now they'll tell you, once again, love my mom, love her husband, Pat, but they will tell you you're going to hell. They're pretty loose with it. Really? So it's become more that, and that's not as fun. Uh, once again, God bless them. But, uh, Good it's my, for you. Yeah, but, that's um, real work. Do you go to therapy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's real week. work. Yeah. To, to be able to keep your heart open in the face of that. Is, I don't is, always succeed. We've certainly had a couple arguments through the years, but the one thing I've learned is the arguments don't work. Yeah. And like the heart open is the only thing that seems to right. keep us close. And she really is a wonderful woman. Like she's really funny. I mean, yeah. she's a lot of where I get, you know, my love of humor. Yeah. And she's very creative and really quick minded. And when she's on her game, she's one of the most lovely people you'll meet. But occasionally, yeah. her and her husband get a little sour. Yeah. And need to tell you you're going to hell. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Tricky. Do you believe them? Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, no. God, no. It doesn't bother me in that sense at all. And I believe in God. Yeah. I, I'm not an atheist. I definitely. Well, uh, can we. Craig Ferguson came to mind for two. He just did the podcast. And separating God and the afterlife is like such an essential thing yes he was he was mentioning that when people say they don't believe in god they're often saying i don't believe in heaven and hell because that's that's sort of how it was packaged to us well i guess i definitely don't believe in heaven and hell there's no question about that but i i always say this i can go this far with my logical mind i can go as far as we know nothing and the idea of getting on your knees every day and bowing down to that overwhelming mystery makes perfect sense Mm. and supplicating yourself in front of that mystery. Then I can take this leap. I can say we know nothing, but we know that our highest level that we can live on is love. We know that love builds things, it forgives, it, it makes things be created. So the idea of projecting our highest emotion into that mystery, I can go that far. This is all yeah. just with logical mind. Yeah, yeah, sure. And then with a little bit of a leap, I get to full on like, yeah, I believe in God. You know? Yeah. I mean, Jesus, I don't think was God. Well, they can't hear my smile, but I'm smiling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Jesus had magical powers, but I do believe he was a holy man. I yeah. do believe... You believe it, there's a way to wake up to tuning into this frequency. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think like I can read the New Testament, no problem. Yeah. I can... I believe in God. I have no problem praying. I am 100% down with it. I just don't yeah. believe in organized religion in any way, shape, or form. But if you told me you were doing a service... 
with like 25 friends yeah. and it's not a building that's owned by any church that's far away and yeah. we're doing a service, I'd be there in a heartbeat. Oh, I know? love it. And I believe in activism too. I went to a church in New York, St. Mark's Church, that their whole service was around activism. So yeah. they would say, okay, we're helping the guys who deliver the food from the deli. They're on strike. So who's going to volunteer to do that? And I was like, oh, I feel God in this room. Like yeah. this is real. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely religious well when uh, jesus talks about like you know uh when you feed the needy you're feeding me sort of thing oh, yeah. that that's him really challenging something the god in all of us the, yeah. like the, the idea that loving each other as 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 a piece of god as and, a piece of the whole thing and as you get older you realize how hard that is the loving yourself loving well that each goes other. back to cheney the other the other otherification of people Yes. Is really. I actually was kicking around this idea. I don't know if it's right because sometimes I get in that frequency and I have these thoughts and then I come back here and they're not always correct. But I was like, sometimes I think the otherification of people is not just pure hate. It can be the overwhelmingness of love. So if I love everybody, if my heart really opens and that can be a scary place, then you start caring about a lot of people that you start hurting for. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If that's me being wrongly imprisoned or murdered or starving or flooded. So then I go, it's actually in the dark night. Tell Bale I said this. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But uh, the Joker has that great thing where he goes like, um, a a group of gangbangers dies and nobody panics because it's all part of the plan. That that to me feels like love can be so overwhelming that we start hating things to protect ourselves. We go like a bunch of extremists died or a bunch of um what was the country that got bombed in in vice i'm sorry the uh, indonesians uh, uh, it, it, uh, oh no cambodia sorry. cambodians and sorry Iraq. yeah a bunch of cambodians or died. yemen you know or yeah but we see this all the time so one of the most holy people i feel like i've ever heard about was like 10 12 years ago i read an article about a woman who was up and i think it was canada and they were releasing child molesters from prison and yeah, obviously, once you're convicted of child molestation and you get out, you're scrubbing. That's it. You're over. Yeah, so yeah. no one would rent them an apartment. No one would give them a job. So they're all living out like past like some overpass in the I woods. Heard about this, yeah. Have you heard about this? Yeah. And this woman said, I'm going to create a house for these people. And she went and created a house and helped them all get jobs. And the whole community was like, you're awful. And then I heard the woman speak and it was like. She's like, we have to love everyone. These are the people who are really sick. Uh, and this is the highest calling of God. I feel honored. I was like, oh, this woman's a saint. Yeah. And I was like, I couldn't do that. Yeah. I could not. I mean, I would hope I could right. if I were in that circumstance. But that is hard. I no, mean, I understand. There's another but woman the, I heard the, about. Her kid was killed by some lunatic. And she went and prayed with the guy who killed her kid in yeah. prison. I'm like, oh, they should have a stained glass window of her right. in a church. Like, there was a guy who took LSD and broke into a woman's house and beat her because he was having a, a bad trip. He had never taken a hallucinogen before. And he freaked out and thought she was a demon or something. And they were on the Today Show or something. And wow. I watched it and I was like... And she was a Christian, and she was just fully loving this kid. And I was like, fuck. The, it's like you're a superhero at that yes. point. I mean, you really but are. But that's like, why when your parents are – no disrespect to your mom or dad, and I understand I've been the person that thinks everyone's going to hell. 
but the immensity and the infiniteness. You can't Rob Bell, my dear my brother, he's a spiritual teacher, talks about you can't divide infinity. And there's parables yeah. that Jesus tells where the message it's about uh giving um I'm getting it wrong, but giving land to his servants or something. Jesus is always telling stories about rich people giving things away. Yeah. And the stupidness of asking how you're going to divide it. Cause he's like, you can't divide infinity. So when you think about God's grace and God's love, it's so irrational and it's light. Here's what it's we do. Light, Here's light what is we the do. only universal constant. And what we don't get is that we're afraid we're going to lose things by tapping into it, that we're going to give everything away. That's right. And the truth is it gives more back. That's it actually right. energizes you. The old That's thing right. of like, you're wealthier when you give away doesn't literally mean you have more money, but it means you have more energy and light and you look healthier. I've always said like people, once again, scientifically speaking, people are good because when we're productive and loving, we are physically healthier. Yeah. You can actually see when someone is miserable and self-destructive, they don't agree. look good. I was thinking about that with Trump and eating KFC all the time. I'm like, you can see it. It's like a vibration coming off of a person when you're just like, something's off. Yeah. And when somebody is in that flow, Flow, which is what I think of God as. It's like a flow. It's a dance you can participate in. 100%. Then, then you are healthier. It, yeah. It's in the system to reward you. God, you're making for, me want to give away stuff. <laughs> for God, a rational... Hancock Park. Miles Katie, Hancock what do you Park. want? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have, I have friends over and sometimes when my... Talk about being in that place. When I'm in that place, I go, I should do a tour called the free tour and just tour. Yeah. And it's free. When I'm in that place, I go, every time friends come to my house, I should say, take something. Take anything. Uh, and, and I wouldn't do that with my friends. <laughs> I know because your friends are also rich show. Well, or even if they're not, it's just like they're my friends. Like that's kidding. weird. Yeah. No, I understand. But you have a guest at your house. Well, like that's a that. that's a Hindu thing. I like that. When Is they, that really? I didn't know that. When when well, they treat everybody as God. There's the so your awareness, the phenomenon that science can't explain right which is not to put down science i've actually been tripping out on like the things we agree about one is the mystery of consciousness yeah we don't have a theory of consciousness and uh, you know maybe we'll look back and be like well now we do and then i'll be an asshole who cares yeah i'm sort of like i don't think we'll ever fully get well, the sheet music for consciousness philip k dick's entire career that's right, right. is <laughs> consciousness and identity what the hell does it mean that's right yeah I still, and then, yeah. well we also agree i actually did figure that out i don't feel like telling you right now <laughs> I got other shit going on in my mean? life. Oh, you're I using actually, fun? I got to charge you. I got to charge you. I'll tell you for nine grand. <laughs> uh, you should have gone higher. <laughs> Not that bad. Um, uh, by the way, I have the secret of consciousness. Keep moving on. <laughs> you don't really have an idea, do you? I actually did crack that. I actually went. I mean? studied at the Shambhala Mountain Center with uh, a bunch of great Buddhists. No, I'm, I'm 100% kidding. This is so I'm fun. sorry, I'm sorry. You and the fly uh, guy. I love you the said idea. Shambhala. Uh, I, I like to put a specific in there. It was yeah. very good. You're it's, a very good improviser. That was a good specific one. It, it yeah. was wonderful. You're, the specificity in your riffs is so funny. The human, well, that would be the the human torch was delight, denied a bank loan. Oh, you know what joke. I'm saying? Yeah. Get out of my face with a man. <laughs> there was in Truth in Comedy, the improv book, Sharna's book. Oh, my God. Uh, that's a deep reference. They, Mike Myers' reference is saying he would say, pass the Heinz, not pass the ketchup, yeah. pass the Heinz. That's comedy. I remember hearing the story someone told me because I got to Chicago right as Myers. Or Myers had been gone for a couple of years. And so I got there, and I was a huge fan of his. I mean, people 
We know his movies, but people forget how good he was on SNL. I mean, yeah. Sprockets is one of the great sketches yeah. of all yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So I asked a friend of mine who would improvise with him. I was like, what was Myers like? And he's like, Myers was the kind of guy, and you have to remember, this is like 1991 I'm talking about. This is a long time ago. But he's like, if you're doing an improvised scene where it's a newscaster, he's the guy on your team who goes behind the newscaster and waves his arms to get on TV. And I was like, oh, Ooh, wow. I like that. I like that. That's like nowadays that's a common joke, but back then it wasn't as much. And like I, he was he was the detail guy. Specifics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And obviously could do characters as well, but that's what, really funny. Well that that's that sort of ties back to the compliment I gave Vice. There's something human or real happening in literally every scene. Like the flies or the or the stubbing the toe. Yeah. Something or the chair. The chair going back too far in your first office. You're feeling great. Oh. And then the slight humility, but then the owning it. He doesn't come back. Yes. Comedy says come back. You know, Chaplin comes back. or I'm not Chaplin. I'm not saying Chaplin's I know what bad. You mean. I'm just yeah. saying comedy goes, oh, fix it. He goes back and goes, no, I'm glad that it goes. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that the chair leans too far back. Nothing is wrecking this day. That's yeah. right. Uh, yeah, this is my no, office. I mean, it was that conscious effort. That once again, Frazier, Hank Corwin, myself, Bale, all the actors were like, let the messiness live. Yeah. Like, just let it go. Yeah. We also knew we were dealing with a pretty classical framing of the movie. I mean, using film. Like you said, the language, the mythology of it is very classical. I mean, literally, yeah. we break out into Shakespeare at one point. It gets yeah. so classical. Yeah. Like. Um, and so that being kind of uh, the idea behind it, we're like, let's make sure the quilt. What is the thing where the Amish make a quilt and put a mistake in it? Yeah. So I believe it's Oriental rugs, actually. Is it really? Okay. Sure. Yeah. I think it's the Amish. But let's – I don't want – Well, this is the error in the podcast. This is it. One of us is wrong. It's neither. <laughs> no, it's neither. It's yeah. neither. It's There's nice. an Amish guy sneaking this podcast behind a barn right now. It's neither, you fools. I have a friend who does a lot of uh, writing and research with the Amish, and he's like, the adult, he said, like, I told him I, I work with you. And, uh, and they were like, we don't know who he is. And then when all the adults walked away, the kids came up and were like, we love Anchorman. Oh, we love, yeah. My God, I've heard stories like that. Like the technology. They all watch the everywhere. Super Bowl in, in one barn. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, where were we, Jesus? Well, I took us off the guy. We were cooking with God. Uh, well, I think we're doing great with God. I think I brought, oh, the, the, the things that we agree about. Yes. Consciousness. I like that a lot. And I was saying, because sometimes I worry about being on Bill Maher's show. Have you been on it? No. Oh. But um, I, I wrote a book twice. and my – and what's that? I've been on it twice. Is it fun? It's okay. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's you. You know, so you, you'd be great. Bring you'd it. actually be amazing. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. But I – they were like, well, maybe we'll pitch you to Bill Maher's show. And I was like, okay. So I wrote a book about God and then I was like, oh, boy. And then I was like, well, what would I say to Bill Maher? And I, w- I would say like it's interesting that we agree that – uh, the Big Bang, right? Which is a theory. I know science concedes that that's a theory. Right. But most people put stock in that theory. We measured the radiation from sure. it, blah, blah, blah. We found the Higgs boson particle. Exactly. And, yeah, There's yeah. evidence for this theory sure. that supports the theory. But So I'm not holding anybody's feet Well, we don't know what happened fire. before the Big Bang. That's absolutely And they'll true. flat out tell you that. We also don't know what's on the outside of the expanding universe. Exactly. And they'll, and they'll tell you that. Yes. So we understand that there's a certain degree of mystery. And they can't explain there. quantum mechanics at all. Or a little bit string theory, but it's not really an explanation. Or if you cut a molecule in half and rotate one half in San Francisco, why the molecule that's in New York exactly. will also rotate. We're soaked in mystery. Yes. And yet the Fast and the Furious wants you to forget not just what's happening in the government, but everything is pulling your, your awareness away from what's really happening. And God bless the Fast and the Furious and God bless my mother. But yes, you're correct. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm, 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 just, you no, know, I'm, I'm being kidding. cute. I'm no, kidding. I know. Yeah, yeah. 
I like, <laughs> I like Babs and the Furious. And, you know, Val, for her birthday, wanted to watch an episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. And, it, and it's not for me. It's not, I'm not saying it's, like, bad. But it was her birthday, and we were like, let's watch what You're you doing watch. It. You're doing it. And, but it, as I was watching it, I was like, I've never felt further from being in tune. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine, and I watched some garbage TV, but I was just like, I need to listen to uh, – I, I, I wanted to be in a sensory deprivation tank for an hour. <laughs> I know that feeling. I, when I was a sophomore in college at Temple University in Philly, my roommate got tickets to uh, – Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark and Depeche Mode. Uh-huh. And I was in a hardcore <laughs> punk and hip-hop phase. That's all I listened to yeah. was like The Damned and Schooly D and Steady B and like Philly rappers. And But I wanted to be a nice guy. And I said, I will go to the concert with you. And I went and I realized... I hated it. Mm. And I'm usually a pretty like lighthearted guy. Like, hey, I'll make the best of anything. Yeah. And I just sat there miserable. I was outgunned. That's yeah, what I'm saying. I, I didn't. I couldn't even fake it. Adam, yeah. that's what I was doing. And Val will listen to this. And Val, I lo- you're, you are my heart. So like, his no facial expression doesn't match what he's saying. By the way, Val, ah! it's totally different. Totally I different. Just, I was literally using it as a meditation to go this too. Say yes to this too. And my my mind got the better of me. And obviously, I kept all this to myself. But I was like, I just can't. I can't merge with this. I've had it happen. I, you know, I, I wonder if it happens. It happened for a dinner the other night too, because we finished this whole vice run of the release and the award stuff and the Oscars were on Sunday. And I was like, I am staying in for like four days. And then the second night we had a birthday dinner for a a dear close, almost family member like friend. And I'm like, there's no way I can't go to that. And I went and the entire meal, I was like cranky and I was like, I should be home. I was almost like a baby. Like I I told my wife, like I was like, it's just, you know, Finally had a night. I could be home. And, yeah. and then like an hour later, I was like, I was a jerk. Like, No, it's okay. Fortunately, I didn't wreck the meal. I kept it under wraps enough that we I had a good time. But relate to that. I think everyone can relate to that. Yeah. Too. It's just like there's sometimes when you feel like a baby and you go like, it's okay. And, and to the point where I a little bit wanted to cry. I understand. Like a little bit felt like not a hard sob, but like just tear up a little bit. I get it. And felt really sorry for myself. <laughs> Eckhart Tolle would say that your belief in your story, the story that you're telling yourself and your identification with that story is causing you suffering. I so would don't say you that's see, accurate. Don't you yeah. see what we're doing is we're going, this was my night. Obviously, it's just the moment. And, it's, yeah. and eternity is not a concept. It's, time is a concept. We're in eternity. And that's all that's real. And that's what I'm telling myself watching RuPaul's Drag Race and it doesn't fucking work all the time. And I'm, just go, I'm suffering. The- these colors are too bright. <laughs> I can't. I keep going like, isn't it beautiful that, the, that these uh, men are, are expressing themselves? I couldn't find a way. I, My I, I kept oldest wanting. daughter loves RuPaul. Everybody does. Watches everyone, has been to the conventions downtown with her friends. People love I've it. I've never watched an episode, but Every time she talks about it, like, yeah, of course, God bless you. But I didn't do what you did. I didn't watch an episode. I'm actually impressed. Well, oh, God. See, you just did for me what I did for you with your movie. Because I, I wanted to be seen. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the if, fact that you, you even knew and told your wife, I love you, I'm going to do this. Yeah. You actually were like, I can't swim. Let's go for a swim. That's how much I love you. And you went out, and a moray eel wrapped itself around your leg. You started gulping water. I knew it. This is fun. I knew it. Looks like you're drowning. That is. And And now you feel bad that you were drowning. Yes. And you weren't prepared for that. Val could tell. And then she goes, you don't think less of me that I like it. And I was like, absolutely not. Uh, The Grey's Anatomy was that one for my wife. 
wife. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, about 10 years ago. She got into Grey's Anatomy. My wife's a theater director, has directed film, very talented, discriminating person. She felt kind of almost bad that she liked it. I'm like, honey, I watch like, so I watch like, you know, uh, Dateline. I watch yeah. like crazy yeah. bad yeah. TV. Yeah. Enjoy your show. And yeah. then she loved it and had a blast watching it. And then one night she said, please watch it with me. I think it's really good. Yeah. And I did it for 10 minutes. And I, I actually was smart enough to do this. I don't want to wreck this for you. You should just enjoy this. It's That's not my so bag. Funny. Let me get out of here. Don't feel bad about right, it. You right. Don't, you don't watch the Milwaukee Bucks play the Cavaliers with me. Right. Enjoy it. Yeah. That's. I think that might be what weed is for. Because if I, I'm not a big weed person, but if I had, I probably could have been like, this is great. Yeah, I think I, I got high up until I was like 23, maybe 24, I think. And uh, when it was good, that's what it does. Yeah. It, it, you can, that's actually what it bulletproof. could do. That's yeah. right. I, I I have a con- conflicted relationship with it, meaning like I can't quite cleanly classify it in my mind. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I meet a lot of successful, uh, intelligent, great comedians that are secretly like, yeah, I think it would have fucked up my process. Like yeah. it would have fucked up my career. And I'm one of them. And yet sometimes I'll have like a little edible and I'll watch RuPaul's Drag Race and I'll be like, I'm here with you. <laughs> I've had that experience. <laughs> I remember freshman year of college, a bunch of buddies. I went to Penn State for one year, and then I transferred to Temple University, where I basically did the next three years before I dropped out. But anyway, right. I was with a bunch of friends in a car. I Keep in mind, I mostly listen to hip-hop, a little bit of punk rock. We're driving, and I, I never listened to Pink Floyd before. And I was a freshman in college. I mean, maybe heard it in the distance or something. And my friends all passed around a joint. We all got super high. And they played Wish You Were Here. Yeah. And I could feel the groove of the road. Like, it was running between my legs. Like, I was riding the road. <laughs> and like the music was, like, washing over me. Like, the most beautiful yeah. music I've yeah. ever heard. Yeah. And at the end of it, I was like, that's one of the most amazing experiences I've yeah. ever had in my entire life. That's right. And then, you know, two months later, I got high and like pissed on the side of a building and got arrested by campus police. I think you just you just touch on something that Val and I talk about a lot, which is like booze or weed or whatever it is. You have this amazing experience. And then every other time you're chasing that one. Oh, 100 percent. Even coffee. Like I have memories of having coffee and being like. Everything is great. Yeah. Then the next day you have a cup of coffee and you're like, I'm still angry. I still have a headache. I don't have any energy. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of the fundamental feelings of being human. I noticed it with cigarettes. I mean, I obviously smoked for years and years and terrible for my health and I loved it. And then now I've had a health scare and I've, I've slipped off about five or six times where I've mm. just been like, screw it. I'm going to have two puffs or something. Yeah. And the first time you do it, it is the greatest thing you've ever done, especially yeah. when you're quitting. Yeah. You're like, oh, well, my. Well, you're getting no one tells me what to do. Oh, exa- you get the no one tells me what to do and the nicotine. Yeah. And you're like, this is pure magic. Yeah. This is I'm having sex with an actual unicorn. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then like the third or fourth time I slipped off, it, I wasn't even thinking about it when I was doing it. I was like, this is bad. Yeah. This is there's nothing going on here. Right. Now it's just the habit of chasing I, the first one. That's right. And there's nothing sadder than that. That is sad. It's like recreating a date with your wife. (laughs) And like a magical date and you're at the restaurant and you go like, wait a minute. It was never the date. It was you. It was your internal world mixing with the with the circumstance. You know what I'm saying? And the and the Rubik's Cube of who we are is always shifting. It's so absurd to think that we have any 
we have some grasp, but any real grasp on, on how we feel, that that's mixing with what you're adding. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is why taking psychedelics is so tricky, is you never know, you know what your inner Rubik's Cube is set to. It always feels like the first couple times with anything feels like you are experiencing it with yeah. just about anything, that's whether right. it's a car accident or, you know, that's right. Whatever. Like it does feel like an honest encounter. And then it's like, well, then the brain has something to compare it to. And then the fourth or fifth time, it's just now you're in a, it's data. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly. Data. Oh, I like that. That's it good. Got turned into data. Yeah. That's the head. That's, it, the, it's, that's and, the thief. And it's product. It becomes product. That's right. Yeah. It becomes a thing that you think about. The habitual is product. And, and that's it, when God becomes a product. It goes on a, a balance sheet at that point. That's right. You know, yeah. And this actually ties back to God effortlessly because when God becomes a product or something that we think about, we are no longer merging with it or flowing with it. It's, it becomes a concept. And then it might as well be something that you order on Amazon. I love the idea of never. And this is something my, my wife is Jewish. My daughters are Jewish. And we go to temples sometimes. And it's a very cool temple. I love the idea that you can't say the word God. I got to say, I think that's really. Adam, I'm right there with you. Right? I, I recently had that revelation. I've had a. I'm not saying like, oh, I've had it before. Like from the. No, I no. I, had I, it other people have like, had it, clearly. That yeah. is right on. G dash D, I thought was so stupid. Spot on. I (laughs) I was like, "You're fucking a right, G dash D. You're gonna write it down like you write down Hank." Yeah. Get the fuck out of my face. You think you have it? Eat shit. That which cannot be named. (laughs) Even say he or she. You know, I I almost want to say the wrong conversation. The mystery of the ages that shall haunt us. You know, the well, that's Joseph Campbell. God is a metaphor for a mystery that transcends knowing and not knowing. Yeah, which is. Uh, yeah. Wow. Transcends knowing and not knowing. It's outside of knowing and not knowing. Suck it, your ego. Your heart gets a chance to get that, but your brain will never get it. I have two reactions that I love it. And number two, I'm calling the police. You're in a lot of trouble. Why? You can't speak like that in our country. (laughs) This is America. (laughs) Well, that is ego, right? So borders, boundaries, sports teams, all these things, they please our ego identity. Boundaries, like you said. And And once we made God into something that you have and you make a clan and then you're either in or you're out. I really like your idea that the reason... We back off some of this stuff. The reason we do us and them is to quote to Pink Floyd, to, yeah. by the way, uh, back we're, to we're Floyd for those connections. I think, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, is because I'll do the red. It's too <laughs> us, 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 <laughs> and them. Young McKay. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Cut to three years later. Hi, I'm just tired now. A little paranoid and tired. Where's my mouth. So dry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, us. us. <laughs> um, but I love that idea that it's too intense, that there's yeah. like actually a big, I mean, it's the old cliche of the cynic is actually the one with who's the pushover and the, the romantic, right. you know, but times a hundred. Right. And the bully is hiding a wound. The bully always yeah. wants to be friends with you. You know, there's a That's thing right. that a lot of bullies end up becoming friends with who they bully and yeah, 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 they yeah. just don't know how to express that need. Yeah. No, I think it's a, it's a good way to have. I try to have empathy for obviously for everybody. And so when you think about like a real cliche, like the guy at the end of your movie who punches the, the libtard, <laughs> if you're trying to open your heart to him, you go like, maybe he's overwhelmed at how scary it is. Again, to say what Ramdas says, the heart wants to give away the store. Yeah. And guess what happens when you give away the store? You well, know, your job is gone and you can't buy food. You know, it's a frightening Especially, thing. Yeah. You look at the suffering that has gone on 
with, you know, these towns losing their industries. Oh, for sure. I mean, I get that level of pain. And and traditionally throughout human history, unfortunately, people turn towards hating immigrants and skin color. It seems to be the go-to move. Your brain is fucking dumb. It's why advertising works. You know what I mean? Like we're very, of course you go like, and sometimes you You can manufacture. That's what I call it. You go hyena. You go hyena. Yeah. You're just straight up hyena. You start making really loud sounds and working together in a small group. That's right. And nipping larger animals to bleed them out. And (laughs) you go hyena. I mean, I went hyena the other night at that dinner. I was going hyena. Yes. I was just like, whoop, whoop, whoop. And see, this is what Val and I have been doing lately too is, is, you know, she's a very conscious person and it's like trying Trying to work with that instead of seeing that that night that you had where you were like, I could be in as a flaw that we wish hadn't happened going this too. And so when you're suffering, you go, yes, thank you. Even to that. Yeah. And go like, does that help you empathize with well, the you other know, hyenas? For that is what we do is the best for them. I mean, that is art. That is. I think the word art, especially now in America, gets kicked around quite a bit. It's viewed as like pretentious and yeah, and that's all fine. I get I get that side of it. But um there is like a crazy power to the fact that you could go on stage and talk about how you couldn't handle watching RuPaul and like yeah. to turn it into that or That's that right. I can do the time I was hot with my friends like, yeah. you know, uh, and do it as performance, do it as writing, do it as a painting, do it as. That's right. I had a friend in Chicago who was a painter, worked at a restaurant with him and he came and he had a mom who was, I guess, mentally ill. And he was like really upset. And I was like, what happened? He goes, my mom uh, cut up and tore up all my paintings. And I was like heartbroken for him. And then like an hour later, I was like, you should do a show called art. My mom destroyed. (laughs) And he was like, that's the greatest idea I've ever heard. He was like, I feel how you feel about the the house for the child molester. You know what I'm saying? Like the alchemy, the redemption, you know, the universe bending towards redemption. Share it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that not to that's what. So I got a divorce and now I have a book out of it. I have a a TV show out of it. I have like stand up. How long were you married for? I got married at 22. I got divorced when I was 28. So that's uh, oh, six, six years. years. That's yeah. real. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you didn't have, you have kids? Or? No kids. It, it really was. Thank God. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It really was. Very, very You know, graceful. I'm friends with the Eat, Love, Pray uh, writer, Elizabeth. Uh, yeah, Liz Gilbert. Gilbert. I was friends with her and her ex-husband. We were in the middle of that whole thing that went down that she wrote the book about. Yeah. And I'm still friends with her ex. I occasionally talk to Liz. I like them both a lot. But yeah. um but my friend Mike Cooper, I remember he was saying, like, she's going to write a book about this. Oh, it's wow. going to be a bestselling. I'm getting dumped, and she's going to write a book about it. Wow. And it obviously became one of the biggest bestsellers, like, ever. Or something I know. Like that that yeah. scene in the book where she's in the bathroom, like, on the floor, like, deciding to leave. That You're was, right. That yeah. was at my house. Get out. Yes. Jordan Peele. That, that was <laughs> Jordan Peele. That's a two-hour callback. Oh, I like that a lot. <laughs> I'm straight up stealing that one. I'm saying Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele. Oh, my yeah. God. You know what will never catch on? When someone makes a nice reference, I say nice Leary, because Dennis Leary was in the movie The Ref. Oh, that's it good. It will never work. Wow. I love it, though. I go, nice Leary. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'll get that going with you. I'll we get, can get that it working. Here's what I was going to say about God. Eat, pray, love. Are we done? Were you done with? Oh, that was all. I just thought it was okay. weird. You were talking about you had a divorce, wrote a book. Oh yeah, I thought maybe it would point. go somewhere interesting. It didn't, no, no, but it it's did. An interesting little tidbit. No, it's the point of life. Yeah, falling then talking about it, falling and then talking about it is the point of life. Taking Rob Bell again says he's like that story where your car breaks down 
Val and I were just going over the grapevine into Bakersfield and there was snow and we had to turn around. It was horrible. Wow. Becomes your best story. You know Always. what I mean? And this is the one of the great secrets of life. So that's why when you're suffering, yes, thank you. If you can even be conscious in the moment while you're suffering, that's some next level have shit. You, uh, have you ever read or heard any Robert Thurman at all? He's a Buddhist mm-hmm. teacher. Mm-hmm. He's actually Uma Thurman's father. Oh, I've heard of him. Yeah. He has a podcast. So he has one of his great collections. It's called like the... Jewel Wish Tree, I think, or something. I, I apologize to any Buddhists out there who fully know this. I'm butchering it. He should call it but the bill is already killed. The bill. <laughs> <laughs> Don't kill Bill. The, the bill way, is already killed. If you were a killed. true Buddhist, he yeah. would do yeah. a, like a thing about like where he would make that joke. But anyway, no, he is a true Buddhist. I didn't mean it. But anyway, so the Jewel Wish Giving Tree or whatever, and it's a meditation that he he guides you through. And it's this tree that's filled with the, all these jewels and then people from your life. And one of the centers of the Jewel Wish Giving Tree are the people that you hate, the people that have given you pain, the people that have thwarted you, and they are the ones who get the most amount of thanks Mm. during this meditation. Mm. And I remember the first time I heard it going like, what? Excuse me? Mm. And then I did the meditation a couple times and was like, oh, yeah, that's wow. the good stuff. What's it called? Everyone's going to want uh, well, to Robert Thurman. Robert so, Thurman. And if you look up Robert Thurman, I think it's meditation. the first one, wish giving, jewel wish giving tree okay. meditation. That sounds and right. And I actually on. had it. It's how long ago I had it on a collection of cassette tapes. But it's definitely – I think I downloaded it a month ago because I just remembered it. It's books on tape. You wow. can get it kind of anywhere. Uh, it's amazing. So my, one of the games of life for me is to have – have those epiphanies in real time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Is when while you're suffering. And I actually noticed, I said this to Val, this is such a stupid example, but it's not a fancy massage. There's a cheap Thai massage place in our neighborhood. And sometimes they're a little rough and I'll like painful. And I'll say, yes, thank you. While it hurts. Yeah. And it makes the pain go away. Well, my, the equivalent of that is breathing. Yeah. It's breathing into the pain. That's right. And breathing, as we know, well, in is... difficult moments, like we were talking about, yeah. we want just the misguided father figure to just even just take a breath. Yeah. Like, that's how powerful that's that right. is. And... I don't know if you've ever done yoga. We're both enormous men. Uh, but I remember they'd be like, see if you can give that space. And why does even a concept of giving something space relieve tension? Doesn't it? Someone goes like, you're angry. You're angry. Can you give it space? And you just go like, fuck you. Because it's like a magic trick. Yeah. It's crazy. But yeah, breathing, space, room, no expectations. That's right. Process. And stepping not- out of the story. That's why I was like, your suffering yes. was identifying. Muji, this great saint on, on YouTube who I love, he says, your thoughts have no power except what you give it. You, you're, you're having the thought and the thought itself is benign. All your thoughts are powerless. It's the belief in its truth that you give it that gives it its charge. Yeah. And I was like, Jesus, fuck. And a lot of times what that is is that power you're giving it is like it's a, it's a need that you had that's a legitimate need that you maladapted to. So let's just say for that night I didn't want to be at that dinner I wanted it to be my night. Yeah. That could go back to some primary foundational sure. thing where it was my birthday party, but my parents had an argument, which, by the way, that never happened. But That is right. And so the way I learned but, to deal with that was to get really mad, and they actually stopped arguing. And I'm right. like, oh, when I need it to be my emotional space, I'll get mad. That's and, right. Uh, I mean, that's obvious, but yeah. yeah no, I, yeah. that's so essential. And that's – so we want to look dispassionately at our lives, but we also want to look compassionately. Like you don't want to get lost in your feelings – but you want to have compassion because you don't know the fucked up Rubik's Cube that we're saying inside yep. that was not even programmed by you. You know what the best is? Mm-hmm. Is laughing. 
<laughs> I mean, the best would have been if I could have said to the table. That's right. And unfortunately, I wasn't strong enough. Guys, pardon me. I'm being like a cranky cartoon old man. That's right. Because I thought this was my night, which is ridiculous because, Natasha, you are the best, and I'm here yeah. to celebrate you. Yeah. yeah. But I'm being a baby right now, and right. feel free to laugh at me at what I'm a baby. That's you know, opening being. the windows and drawing the blinds. That's what yeah. that is. And yeah. that's what good comedy can be. And that's what It's I, hard, though. It's hard sometimes. That's it why sounds I, like you couldn't get there with RuPaul. No, I couldn't. That's what I'm saying. I couldn't. I was thwarted by a 40-minute <laughs> reality show. I was like, this music is going to be in my head all night. Mine was a lobster dinner. Yeah, I How know. about that? That's what I got cranky yeah, but about. Su- it's, it's really important to remember that like suffering isn't just getting punched in the face. Yeah. That is certainly suffering. Sometimes it is. You can suffer in Bora Bora. You know what I mean? Oh, like, in yeah. fact, rich people... At Cartoli, again, he talks about like rich people can be some of the most miserable oh, people you'll God, ever meet. Yeah, because the material world has taken a stronger hold. It's, That's right. It's much more sparkly for Who those people. He talks about like, oh, I think it was Ram Dass. He was like going on dates with some of the most, because he was a hot shit Harvard professor, which of course. back in the day was even more impressive. Oh, yeah. No YouTube celebrities to compete with him. So he was hot shit and he'd date all these like supermodels. And he was like, he could always feel this uh, panic behind them because they knew they were getting older and someone wow. younger and more beautiful was going to come behind them. So this is another Jesus thing, store not your treasure where dust and moth can corrupt. So what are we That's talking? That's a great line. What are you doing? The, the cup is already broken. That's, That's the Buddhist thing. Bill has already been killed. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Bill died a thousand years ago. That's right. And he'll die a thousand years from now. That's right. Yeah. Get out of it. Get out of it. But, the still, only- but still, kill Bill. That's right. Kill, <laughs> kill Bill, but don't get lost in the thought that anything is happening whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. What's happening is what has always happened. Jesus talks about but the still, point. I feel like still kill Bill, though, right? Yeah, kill Bill. Yeah. Okay. What do you mean? Well, just when you because said don't get lost in the sense of what's happening, I felt like you downplayed the importance of killing Bill a little bit. We got to kill Bill. Bill's got to be killed. We agree <laughs> on that, right? <laughs> That's a funny sketch. People having a very deep conversation. It's and one even guy funnier being like, if the movie doesn't exist. Yeah. It's even funnier without it. It's funny. Yeah. But we're going to do it, right? We are going to do it, though, right? <laughs> no, but what we're going to do is we're going to put it in its place and understand the longer we're going to breathe into the infinite. <laughs> Give it space. Totally with you. But we are going to do it, right? <laughs> we're still going to rob that joint and get the crystal meth, right? That's- Funny. But maybe we don't get the crystal meth, or maybe we do. That's funny. <laughs> so what I was going to tell Bill Maher, w- w- talk about the Big Bang, is that you we... you got to go on Bill Maher. Oh, that's so funny. In fact, I know the head writer. I'm, I'm emailing him and saying he's got to get you on. <laughs> oh, that's Scott funny. Carter, who's like a lovely, lovely guy. Oh, really? He's still there. I'm assuming he is. Well... You could definitely go on. And by the way, the way you talk about religion, that's not what Bill Maher is I know. About. Well, that's I the mean, funny. One of my passions is showing that we agree. Yeah. And that's the, the, the heart of what I'm saying is that the theory of the Big Bang and the mystic agree that at one point everything was one thing. But you're mixing thoughtfulness, you're mixing openness, you're mixing humor, science. I mean, the things you're doing, I think, in fairness to Bill Maher, and there are certainly things I disagree with Bill Maher about, but I think when he's complaining about religion, it's the exact opposite of what you're doing. I think he's talking I, about I think you're right. Yeah. Don't I know. love religious. Like, I saw that movie yeah, in the theaters, yeah. and I was like, yeah. And we all agree the Catholic Church should be disbanded. I mean, <laughs> I legitimately think it should. Oh, really? I think it's a criminal enterprise. I really do. And I'm Catholic. That's so I was funny. raised Catholic up until my mom became a boarding Six Christian. Six kids Catholic. Yeah. Um, That's a Jim Gavigan bit. Six kids Catholic. You have uh, to, you have to say Jim Gavigan. <laughs> 
Jim Gaffigan, that's the one I can listen to in the car with my daughters when they were little, and all of us would laugh. And I realized Gaffigan's good, man. That's that's... hard to do to get the 40-year-old dad and 40-year-old mom and the little kids, and the laughs are real. I know. Fucking A. He's good. Well, this this has been great. I like that we talked about God, and we ended with Jim Gaffigan. It often goes there. Is that weird? (laughs) Is there any chance he's got like a, a messianic purpose, or is he our savior? That seems like too much. The new I'm album, saying, Mayonnaise at Saber. least John the Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> well, bring me Gavigan's head on a platter. Um, let's do a, a, a speed round and then a, and then yeah. a, a last question. Love it. Um, oh, Proudest Riff as a director? Proudest Riff, you might have named it already. I do love uh, the, the vocal warm-ups in Anchorman. Human yeah, Torch was yeah. denied a bank loan. Yeah. The arsonist had oddly shaped feet, all that stuff. For me, it's always about can I get Will to break? Can I get Coel to break? Of course. Uh, in no way am I not wanting that to happen. It's the entire goal. And but I, that's I'm, the electricity. Totally. That's, that's where the magic is. That entire movie and, and most of our comedies were driven off of that. Even to some degree, Big Short and Vice, too. Yeah. I got Bill to break a couple times. Really? Yeah. No the one way. where he says, uh, go outside on the White House Wait, who lawn. Broke? Uh, Christian Bale. Oh. oh, I got him to break. Yeah, we were improvising. Oh, Cheney. the peanut, uh, the puppets, the puppets. Uh, I improvised that line off the mic, and he took him five minutes to build. So thing. you do a Jed mic? Uh, I do, but I, I do, I do easy listening. I always, I ask the actors. I'm like, I'm sorry, it's just easier because we do extra lines, and I'm always very gentle yeah. with it, especially yeah. with the more dramatic movies. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, because otherwise, we're running back and forth. You got to sit on the app. I get it. Some scenes I do sit by the camera. I watch. I watch Jed do it, and it, it does a little save bad a lot of the time. mic, but it does work really well. No, he he does the same thing. He goes, "This is just how it is." But I go, uh, I go Anchorman. I go arsonist had oddly shaped feet. Yeah, George tonight at Bankloom. <sighs> Don't act like you're not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, Anchorman Two has one that I really like a lot, where he's screaming, "Ah, ah! There's somebody in the house." Call the police. And that's his vocal warm-up. Oh, it's a home invasion. Oh, my you God. Oh. Ah. That is. We were laughing so hard. We're like, that's first off, terrible for your vocal cords. Yeah. Emotionally disturbing. And yes. the whole time, Applegate doesn't even look at him. She's just acting like every night she hears it. That I like that one, too. Yeah. so good. I realize, talking now, that in my book, I this is a great uh, copy editor story. I... Tell a story about jerking off to my dad's Playboy calendar in his garage. Nice. The book's called Comedy Sex God because it's about how like sex and God Ooh, were so like linked that. for me. It's a good title. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Is it out yet or coming out? It'll be out in May. All right. Um, I'll give you a. What can I offer? A tweet. I would love a you tweet. Get a tweet. I would love a tweet. And I just signed up for Instagram, which I'm not doing very well on, but I'll give you an Instagram. Oh, Instagram. gram it up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what I would love? A gram. If you're offering a gram of you with the book. I'll send it to you. I will do it. I love Consider that. it done. Look, friends helping friends. Right? <laughs> no, but that does Really, sound... so far, you've only helped me. So I've, got, <laughs> I've done nothing for you. No, your uh, detail, your understanding of vice... Oh, that's right. ...is that's the best small. thing ever. <laughs> there have been a few people. There were a few that connected like you did. But, I mean, hearing you catch all that I'm stuff... I'm glad. I was hoping it would be oh, a Oh, that we spent hours and weeks on and yes. stuff. So cool. Well, anyway. the sound of the, of the Danish. Let's come on. Oh, that's the best. Yeah, so important. It's a white house danish yes <laughs> i'm not kidding we changed it four or five times i am not kidding it reminds me of ratatouille remember they go how do you know when bread is good did you see ratatouille yeah well, of course I and love they it. go it's the sound and they crinkle the bread oh. it sounds like that bread i love bread all right uh we love bread um 
what was I saying? Oh, in the book I wrote, so I'm drinking off to the calendar, and as, uh, I don't say it this crudely, but as I come, who cares if I did, but I don't. Yeah. As I come, I, I think, like Ron Burgundy jumping into the bear pit, I immediately, screaming, I immediately regret this decision, <laughs> right? Which is such a cultural thing, right? Yeah, yeah. My... Not my editor, Luke Dempsey, but the copy editor, whose name, unfortunately, I don't know because it's freelancers. Sure. But if he hears us, he put in the, in the margin, he wrote, sorry, but he, he whispers that line. He doesn't want to wake the bears. Uh, so I changed it to whisper screaming. I immediately he, regret this. But he system. whispers screams it. He goes, I, I immediately regret yeah. this. Yeah. I made it whisper scream. I think of him yelling it too. Whisper but, scream is still screaming in my book. Yes. Yeah. But, but I, I was like, like the differentiation. I mean, that is, that is really The good. fact that I was like, I don't even know if anyone will get this to the fact that the copy editor in like North Carolina is like, well, he, he, I'm sure he didn't like fire up the movie. He was just like, doesn't he? Knew. He, he just knows. Oh my God. Fills a good. gap in our, it's mythic. In our cultural subconscious. Um, greatest lesson you've learned. Short. We can do short answers. It's up to you. In my life? No, no. I'll give you topics. Okay. That's too much. I wouldn't do that to you. I could probably it'd be, it'd have to be a couple answers. Well, yeah. what's life? Greatest uh, lesson you've for learned. life is... Uh, it's kind of what we've been talking about. It's not about the material specifics. Yeah. It is as much as the material specifics change and tantalize you and draw you in and want you to look at them, it has nothing to do with them. And I learned that mm. through old friends of mine that I grew up talking about, oh, my God, you're in Hollywood. And then when I would hang out with them, we have the same life. That's right. And it was like, oh, it, 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 it could be anything. For me, it's a hula girl dashboard thing. For them, it's a you know, uh, a fencing mask or, you know what I mean? It's just all right. I, I guess it's you would different say pieces it's same. Moby Dick. It, it didn't have to be a whale. It could have been anything. That's not the point of Moby Dick. That's right. Yeah. Although it is a little bit, but you know what I mean? I love that. Yeah. Say, Indeterminance di- of referentiality is what, when I was in college, we would have called it different pieces. Same game is same game. Yeah. 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 Uh, greatest lesson you've learned about writing. Uh, God damn it. Vice oh my God. Crazy. Just uh, pound away because you've got to get really comfortable with writing bad stuff. Mm. Just make it your friend and do not be afraid of showing your naked ass when you write. <laughs> Honest to God, it's just, you're going to write lousy drafts. You're going to write whole chunks that are going to be cut. Yeah. Don't overthink it. Don't perfectionism is death. That's the big thing. with right. Writing. Yeah. That's Ryan holiday. Ego is the enemy. It's like the idea that you're going to like, it, it just, Ring the bell it's perfectly. The ultimate stupid. creativity killer is perfectionism. Completely agree. Yeah. Uh, directing? Directing. I actually, I think I'd learned this one more from my background in improv and theater and like collaborative work and SNL. You're lucky enough to have great people around you. I mean, that's an if sometimes, especially mm-hmm. when you're first mm-hmm. starting out. But definitely by the time I got to directing short films at SNL and doing features, I'm surrounded by stone cold professionals. Let them do their job. Don't micromanage. Yeah. Let them find their inspiration in their place. Then I can always later say, no, no, change that. Or I'm so sorry. I actually wanted this. Doesn't mean you don't tell them what you want. Yeah. But man, give people room to do their job. Your micromanagey is, oh, and it makes it miserable for everyone. All our directors were great on crashing, but uh, the one I would notice occasionally because we do blocks. So, 
you have a director for two episodes, then another one. So I would switch directors. It's like doing a really long movie, but there's four directors or six or five, whatever. Um, so you'd notice the difference. And sometimes you'd just be like, you'd notice somebody want, didn't give you as much space. And you're just like, let me, let, let us fuck up a few times before you tell me. It's exactly yeah. it. That's yeah. it. That's the big lesson. Gives- and this goes, this is something I would literally, I remember telling my daughter when she was like six was like, mistakes really are fantastic. That's not a cliche. That's yeah. not something that's written on a lunch pail. Yeah. They really are the greatest. It's the thing Amish in the world. Oriental rug. Yeah, exactly. And only with way more mistakes and it's not <laughs> useful as a rug. I, I couldn't agree you more. Turn it into a shawl at the last second to cover it up. That's right. And the shawl is beautiful. That's right. I went way too far with that. Go ahead. I love it. Well, it's also Zen art. Alan Watts talks about that. The, de- well, the, the deliberate sand, mistake. The sand paintings, you know, they do the... Uh, I just referenced that on stage the other day. Oh, my God. And then you sweep it away. That's it. Yeah. That's a better lesson for what I've learned. Okay, go ahead. I might release this that I did at Largo because it was so great. And I said at the end, I was like, it's never like this. If you if you plan a recording, it's never this oh, good. you should release it. I'm going to release it. And I yeah. say it's like a Tibetan sand sculpture. Let's just sweep it away. Yeah. And, and we might... Because they record the show. obviously, is like that long form. Well, that was the next one. The greatest lesson of improv. I had a lot of good ones. I was lucky enough to get to work with Del Close and man, oh man, the biggest one he taught, he taught a lot of good ones, but I would go third thought. He would make you stand on stage and suffer through your first thought and he wouldn't, and then you go to your second one and he wouldn't let you get away with that. He would make you go to your third. And I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Kahneman Tversky at all, thinking fast, thinking slow. Uh -uh. They do a lot of uh, cognitive uh, neuropsychologists, and they talk about the way our brains work. Mm. Uh, Thinking fast is habitual. Thinking slow is like actually a little painful, and it's thinking things through. And that's really what Dell was teaching by going to the third thought. And it was like one of the great lessons, which is just to take that breath, to take that beat. And to look what else is there, because sometimes we lift the rock up and there's like 60 cents. We go, oh, my God. And we run away really fast. And underneath it was a Norse dagger worth one point seven million dollars. Right. Museum quality. Right. Um, Right. (laughs) I love that. That's wonderful. I once said to Nick Crowley, he was like, uh, we were talking about dating. And he was like, I just want a girl that does A to C, which means Uh, A to C, obviously, you know, is. Don't go your A thought, do your C thought, yeah, which is your third thought. Oh, my God. Or, or like jumping from... You know what? A it's C. a lot to ask. It, it is not lot. how our society is designed. No. And it, usually people have an element of their life that they go to A to C. Like, they'll have a part of their life yeah. when they do that. But not... Even I have, like, tons of parts of my life, obviously, if I smoked, right. that are habitual and I think fast, not slow. But, right. Um, you know, it's Charlie Parker, the greatest sax player ever, but then outside his, in his normal life, he get stuck in traffic and had to take heroin and <laughs> right. couldn't figure out how to get the key in the lock. Right. And, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, that's Michelle Obama said about Barack that, you know, running the free world leaves the butter out. Yeah. Yeah. We have the same dryer. Or washer. Which, by the way, is fucked up that he left the butter out. I mean. Land of lakes. I feel like she was being cute about it, but yeah. Jesus Christ, Barack. You know, not cool. If she threatened his life, federal offense. Yep. Uh, greatest lesson about collaborating. I mean, you work with. Yeah. Uh, collaborating is people. you don't need to have every, every decision doesn't have to be hashed out in the moment. You can let, sometimes you can let things go. Mm. You can, you can, I always say on your best day, you're right. What? 71% of the time, mm. the best day I've ever had in my entire life. 
And when you're working with someone else, what's great about it is you're, you're checking each other. And there are times where you can just go, that doesn't quite feel right. But you know what? I'm going to just let that one go and let's see how it feels in four days. Yes. And then in four days, if you're like, uh, I don't know, you bring it up again and go, you know, I let that one go. But and people appreciate it. You yeah. can actually do it as opposed to everything has to be hashed out right now. That's right. Like it's more important to let the collaboration build than it is to get everything exactly right exactly now that's right now yeah alan watts the art of doing nothing he's like there's moments where the right choice is to do nothing oh my god that's and it's almost always that might actually be the best <laughs> advice for directing yes. yeah like get out of the way a yeah. lot of times yeah. like let your brilliant dp set produce you know all the set designer do their work i love it greatest lesson about showbiz <sighs> i don't in any way treat it like business like just do i mean don't be stupid get paid your fair wage that everyone else is getting paid but i think career is one of the ugliest words there is i yeah. actually think yeah i think it's very selfish mm. i think it's disconnected i think what, what makes you good at what you do is that you're connected to a world you're asking questions if you walked around thinking career career you could kind of smell that on people i agree when there's a stand-up who's about career it is a frequency and yeah. So with show business, yes, you're making a living. Yes, you're being paid. But that should be about fourth on your list. I'm glad that you can hear the the guy doing gardening so they know it's not just dead air or like something went wrong, like, like the Sopranos finale. That was just me appreciating the quiet. It's not what about- bad quiet. We're off a busy road, but uh, it's, this is as loud as it gets right here. Is, I think this is rush hour out here. Well, it was. I just heard a weed whacker. There was a weed whacker. That's not our yard, though. That's oh, that's the neighbor. Weed whackers. I want to be careful not to talk about my private house too much on this podcast. But my gate code is. <laughs> Did I just you edit that out, right? <laughs> not Bill Clinton saying that he told W about Bin Laden. We'll edit out your gate code. I think I'm allowed to tell that story. Of course yeah. you are. It was over late. No, of course don't, I can tell. Don't. In fact, he wanted, what am I saying? He wants us to tell that story. You don't tell to, yeah. You don't Yahoo's. tell anybody. You don't no, tell you, to Yahoo. By the way, you have permission to refer to me as a Yahoo yeah, anytime you need. Yahoo's. Yeah. Uh, to Yahoos. Yeah. To goons. Well, this ties in. Greatest lesson you've learned about being American. Oh, man. I don't know. I feel awfully confused right now. Uh, five years ago, I would have given you a really confident stride and answer to that. Yeah. Uh, we are a big, big country, man. We're about nine countries in one. And I'm not sure what one America means because there's a lot of different kinds of people. And I think that's okay mm. in a lot of ways. But there's a lot of – I'm more in the land of questions about being an American right now. I, I know I've loved growing up here. I know I love this country without a doubt. But it's in uh, – it's in a tough spot right now, so I don't know. Uh, you know what? All right, here it is. I just thought of it. I'm surprised by how much I am an American. That's what surprised me about the times we're living through. Because yeah. if I was really Mr. Cool, neutral guy, I would just go, I'm moving to France. That's right. Or I'm leaving, and I really am an American, and I really do care about this country, and that surprised me. It took Donald Trump for me yeah. to 100% realize that. I realized it with Bush and Cheney. Yeah. But shit, I care way more than I thought I cared. There you go. That's, That's like my I mean. therapist. is like when you get all worked up about your parents or you're talking about conflicting feelings about your parents and they're like, well, obviously you love them because otherwise. Why are we talking about this? Why are we doing yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, family. You've been married a long time. Biggest lesson with family I have. We're approaching our, well, this is our 19th anniversary coming up. Then we have the 20th. 
We were together for like three years before that. Wow. Yeah, and we have an 18-year-old and a 13-year-old. Which one's the pothead? uh, (laughs) 18-year-old. Well, no, I mean, it's true. She's a musician. She goes to CalArts. She's brilliant. I love her. I was laughing at the idea of a 13-year-old pothead. Once again, not that crazy. Although, no, Pearl does not smoke pot. She's she's the one from the landlord, Pearl, the 13-year-old. Do you remember the landlord video? Yeah, yeah. Oh, she was great. Is she, she in SAG? She is. That's not a crazy question in Los Angeles. She is not. She's now a really good singer. She's very into music oh, and she wow. loves dancing. And her older sister, very talented musician who just recorded an EP. No way. Four original songs she wrote that we're going to do like a little mini release party for in like a week. Did she do it here? Is that why there are mics on the she, drum kit? This is a crazy room. We had the living room that no one went into. And I'm, growing up, I said, this is so dumb to have a living room no one goes into. So I turn this into the living room no one goes into that's also a music room. So yeah. you can record an album in here. Wow. You can also just play with friends. And there are many parties we've had where Everyone people show play. up and just play. And I'm a terrible drummer and a terrible singer and a bad bass player. But they're all friends and who cares? And we have a great time. That's so awesome. That's what we did to this room. That's so as far as family goes, I would say it almost relates to the collaboration, which is you don't have to hash everything out right this second. Yeah. That, Doing nothing in family and letting, like, going to sleep and waking up the next day to see if the feeling's still there. Mm. Like, really just checking your work and, like, checking your emotions because you have this precious, amazing thing that you have to be very delicate and loving with. And it's a long-term thing. And it's a long-term thing, and you don't want, because you banged your knee on the coffee table... That's right. Or you to, skipped lunch. To or, suddenly yeah. say, you're dead to me to your way. <laughs> like, That's right. That's yeah, right. Or you skipped lunch. That's yeah. even better. Yeah. And uh, that has happened. Yeah. I have skipped lunch and said yeah. stupid things, and we've gotten in dumb arguments. And kids are a whole almost different zone, but uh, marriage, just for marriage, like, relax. Take yeah. your time. Give it a week. Give it a night. Yeah. Always, eventually, you got to talk about stuff. And we go to couples counseling when you know maybe once every three months just to kind of do maintenance work. Mm. Or occasionally, we'll get caught in like a gully and we'll go. But um, mm. yeah, I, I think a lot of this stuff is just to try and take the breaths and relax and let the world be the world as opposed to having to fix things right away almost uh, for all these answers yeah i love that let the world be the world yeah i was just reading something that alan watts wrote about that where he's I gotta like check out alan watts by the way you've referenced him oh, he's great yeah. type it into youtube there's a lot of his stuff for free on youtube and people have cut together like really nice montages of music it. and stuff it's great really great but he has this thing about like the difference between the judeo-christian uh approach and the zen approach and he was like the zen approach does uh acknowledge that there's a world that can be better with art and music and science and reason and goodness. But they also realize that that's just a fleeting and small part of everything just being how it is and always has been and always uh, will be. And, he's, like and you're just like, Oh Jesus, that is so into good. My life. You know what I mean? Oh. He's like, yeah, no, they acknowledge that, but they're all, that's what Jesus is saying when he's like, the poor will always be among you. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just like, can't you give it space? Can't you yield? The movie I always, for some reason, when I was a little kid, do you remember the movie Billy Jack? Mm-mm. There's, oh my God, you got, have you ever seen Billy Jack? Billy Jack got, Horseman? Uh, you, it's early, what is it? I said Billy Jack Horseman. Oh, it's a, oh, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a almost uh, not a joke. Uh, <laughs> no, I think technically, let me check it. Legally, that was a joke. <laughs> um, I, uh, 
Billy Jack, you have to watch. Okay. I always think of when I think of the perfect, like, sweet love, it's the story basically of a Native American school for children that's outside this town full of racists. And the racists are always bothering the Native American kind of hippie kids. But there's a Vietnam veteran a uh, half Native American guy named Billy Jack who protects the school and beats up racists throughout the movie. <laughs> it's one of the most incredible movies you've ever seen. Nick Offerman is equally as obsessed with it as I am. We've oh, talked wow. about it a lot. And it's an incredible movie. It's like a handmade movie. There's real people in it. Howard Hessman is in it, the old improv group, the committee that Del Close used to be a part of. There's like the song, you would know the song that, that's the lead song became a hit during its time <laughs> uh, by a band called Cub. Uh, coven and um it's an amazing movie but i always think of like the hippie girls and them playing guitar and the artists in that is like that's perfection in that movie there's like about three four minutes where they show what they're doing at the school and i'm like we i don't know why just because i was like nine years old when i watched it it's always been wow the state of utopia for me is the school in billy jack (laughs) yeah I have a lot of reading recommendations and now a movie recommendation. Billy Jack is an odd one. Yeah, you might want to do that with some friends, actually. That's a good one. Uh, well, honestly, or high. Are always you trying might want to do it high. <laughs> I can't watch a movie high. Really? I won't see it. I'll just be like, that movie was about the feeling of my butt in the cushions and like the taste of caramel corn. Maybe Billy Jack. Huh? That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Well, what is uh, this? Is the last question. Um, what do you, what can you think of the hardest time in your life? Maybe that you've laughed. Oh, that's, that's a great question. Fun? I love that question. There's a few of, I mean, nothing is better than the lose control of yourself. I know almost embarrassed by the sound you're making yeah. where you're like, it starts to get high pitched and weird. Yeah. I, one time freshman year in college, we all got really high. Sam Kinison's record had just come out yeah. his one and only, or maybe he made another one, but it's the famous one. We all got very high, ordered pizza, and listened to it. And I laughed so hard, I pulled a muscle in my back. So for two days walking around campus, I was slightly hunched. And my friends would point at me from across the campus and go, oh, my God, his back still hurts. Like, that was the greatest laugh ever. And you were injured. That was a really good one. Adam McKay, injured by comedy. Injured by laughing. (laughs) The other one I would say was I was directing Will in the first Anchorman. And there's a scene that's actually cut from the movie where he's with Veronica uh, Corningstone, with Christina Applegate at dinner, apologizing for saying on the air that we, we've been having sex. <laughs> and in the thing, he starts, uh, people start coming up in the restaurant and congratulating them on having sex. And Will just improvise this response where he's like, look, I've got a bad back, bad lower back. But I'll tell you, you get me on the right night, I'll do some things in the bed that'll blow your mind. He just improvised this line. <laughs> And I'm not saying me repeating it right now is the funniest thing ever, (laughs) but it's one of those things in the moment he hit it and I was directing the movie. I mean, there's a, I think the budget for that movie was 22, $23 million. This is back in 2002. Yeah. And I started laughing, like lose control, like, (laughs) like, ah, like weird sounds. I had to run off the set. In the dailies, you can see me in the background have to run off the set. And I was like embarrassed. I was like, that's like, it's one thing to laugh as the director, but like I lost control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so those two popped to mind. Well, those are both great. Oh. Well, those two pop in mind. Well, Adam, how long was that, Katie? Three hours, they went the full distance. Excuse me. The fans will say McKay went the distance. Will you really release three hours? Of course. 
That's incredible. The record, I think, is 345. Wow. I felt like we could have done another half an hour, too. We could. I mean, we could. No, no, no. No, no, no. Three, no hours, three hours is mind-blowing. We both feel good about this. Yeah. A younger me, maybe even a more naive me, would have been like, let's see how long he'll go. These days, you have family. Why? I have a three baby at home. You know what I mean? a lot. Let's go. Wow. Let's get out of here. And leave it while it's still hot. That was a good conversation. Great I enjoyed that, Me man. Too. Thank I, you so I, much. I usually say, like, you feel you feel satisfied? I feel completely satisfied. Good. Yeah. Well, we have the... Well, thank you. Honor to meet you. Thank you. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for uh, having me on. We have the guests say the, the catchphrase, which is keep it crispy, and that's how we end. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, in your car, at home, laying in bed, on your phone, outside some sort of work function because you wanted to listen to this, keep it crispy. <laughs> Was that it? That was it. That was it. I'm so yeah. crispy. My G9 on the shoes, A50. I'm so crispy. I'm so crispy. My ice game make you haters want to get.